There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, neither do I. Hello and welcome to episode 48 of the Power Chord Hour podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. As always, I'm your host, Anthony Merchant, here with you with our very last podcast of 2020. Thank you for checking it out. And uh, that also means since we're at the end of 2020, we are, uh, we're a year old now. The podcast here is a, a year old. And it's funny, I really, even though it's like it is technically now and really like our intro came out like the last week of uh, December 2019 so like you know what I mean I think I think we were I can't remember off the top of my head but I know I released it like a week prior to uh you know the new year so I mean we have hit a year but it's funny like I kind of missed all of that because my mind just keeps going to how the radio show and you know just power court hour in general is turning five here in uh, February so I mean you know for a long time I was just thinking about that. I'm just like, holy shit, like, you know, the radio show is going to be five years old in February. And uh, yeah, like, like as this is happening, all of a sudden I go, oh shit, like, like the podcast portion of this just turned a year old. So very happy where we're at now at the end of a year. You know, I, I do have to say, even though my mind's been uh, on the radio show a lot lately, I'm very, very proud of uh, the show year in. And I mean, all from, from anyone listening right now, I mean, huge thank you to everyone and uh, I've brought it up a few times, but I mean, the second half of the year here, or really like the end of it, like last couple months, India, man, I mean, we have got an insane amount of uh, downloads over there. So shout out again to uh, you if you're listening to this in India. I mean, it's insane. Like, I mean, all of a sudden within like a month, month and a half of uh, being available over there started just knocking all these other countries out of uh, the top 10 slots. And uh, only one beating it now is the United States. So, uh, yeah, you know, but the United States got to run for our money. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's so rad that uh, people are listening from everywhere. I, I do get a kick out of that with the analytics and, uh, you know, just kind of looking at where everyone's from. That's always uh, blown my mind. You know, that, that, that's a nice thing. I love – it's funny because there's really – radio and podcasts are two different things. You know, people sometimes look at them as the same thing. And I feel like, too, like some podcasts just want to be radio shows. There's radio shows that want to be podcasts. There's a lot of that. I feel like they serve two different purposes. And it's another big reason why I still do the radio show and I do a podcast. You know what I mean? They're both called the Power Chord Hour. They're both in the same vein, the same spirit. But, you know, they're they're two different things where I spin music on one and talk music on here and another. And that's kind of my thing. I feel like podcasts are more kind of for a long form thing to also talk about things that you're not going to really find on terrestrial radio, you know, like, like I remember I didn't get yelled at per se. It wasn't yelled at, but it was just nicely told to me, which it's so funny because now in retrospect, I just feel like a fucking idiot. Cause I'm like, I really should have known my audience better. But like, I remember working at top 40 station where uh, my manager at one point did have to tell me like, I think it was jawbreaker. Like I was talking about jawbreaker a few times, like during uh, like just in between songs and stuff, which you know, on here, totally cool. But on a top 40 station, like I'm talking about Jawbreaker in between like Lady Gaga and Halsey, 
you know, like things like that where it's like you got to kind of know your audience. So it's like, you know, and it wasn't even like yelled at, but it's like I, I now look back and I'm like, oh, I should have just known that. Like that seems like something that I should know that it's like, oh, yeah, you know, there's a time and place for that. And that's why I think podcasts are very cool. I think podcasts uh, are kind of that where I can get on here and bullshit with you for an hour and a half just about music in general. And I feel like radio is more of a way to like discover – like I look that way. Like I want – I mean, I hope you discover music on both of these, but it's like the radio show is kind of a way for people to discover a lot of this music, and the podcast is a place for us to talk about it. You know, like the radio show, you go find this stuff. Podcast, we talk about why we love it and everything, you know. So so I feel like they both serve two different purposes, you know. I, I don't know that uh, podcasting and, – and I mean this could be a whole episode, a whole debate. You know, I mean everyone has different opinions – but it's like I don't even know that radio has evolved into podcasting because, once again, I just think they're two different things. Radio is not in the best place uh, with commercial radio, and that's another thing I can go on and on about that I won't because I'll just bore anyone who is uh, you know, not in radio. And also, uh, you know, since it is so small now and it's all owned by like three conglomerates, you don't want to talk too much shit. You know what I mean? You can't burn, you can't burn too many bridges in that realm because everything is owned by like just a few entities that it's like – yeah, you know, if you if you say fuck this place or whatever, it's like, well, yeah, but they own, you know, 30% of the market in the United States, like, you know, like no matter what the format is. So, you know, it's very cool we have this though cuz, you know, I I do think it's it's again, it's like I think I think it's best when people realize that cuz sometimes I'll listen to a podcast and it's so like like there's just all these segments, it's highly produced and stuff. And look at, like there's a time and place for production and really like, you know, going the whole nine yards with your show and like throwing things in. But again, I feel like that's more of a radio show thing. You know, that's like a morning show where you have four hours and you have commercials you have to play and you have to get to this and you have to get to news and you have to get to weather. And there's segments for a reason. You know what I mean? Like, and people don't always realize that, you know, like there's a reason why there's not an hour and a half interview on morning radio. It's because they don't have time for that. Like you have a lot of different things you have to get to. So, you know, and sometimes people talk shit about that, like on morning radio, how, uh, you know, like the amount of, uh, you know, sometimes it's substanceless and I can't disagree with that all the time, but I, uh, I will say like getting to see the behind the scenes of that world and everything I, I do, there is more method to the madness. And I also think that there's, like you may not realize it so much, but sometimes formats are the way they are because once again, it's it's just very different. Like, like that's another thing, you know. Kind of going back to like uh, like commercial radio, you know, working at that same station, you needed, you know, talking in between songs, you just shut the fuck up in like forty forty five seconds. So you didn't want to make them too short and vague, where it's like you're on for five seconds, but you also can't go on for a minute thirty. Which on here, I'm talking for an hour and a half. You know, God knows how long I'll go on this one. And, uh, you, you know, so it's just, I don't know, it's very different in that way. And, and you know, I, I don't even know how uh, how I got on this tangent, I guess just talking about the radio show turning five and the podcast being one now. But, uh, you know, also just seeing them as two different things. And uh, I like that when people do that because I don't, I don't, I don't know, like, and you can always tell me, I like to hear this from people who listen. It's the same thing with like long form. Like I, for the longest time, I'm like, no one wants to hear me and like, and, and Kyle Steven talk about an album for four hours. But then you start seeing how many people are listening to it and you're getting good feedback and shit. And you're like, oh, like you, you know what I mean? Like some, some things are just so unexpected. And that's why I look at things like that and go, 
you know, the podcast, I like it to be more free flowing. You know, I, I don't feel like it needs to be, there needs to be all these segments. There's not really outside of this. I mean, this is our last of the year and I'm going to do the December rundown, you know, on here, obviously we have a little bit of a format, but I mean, for the most part, most of the shows really don't have a format. I mean, you know, the, we have some intro music and introduction and maybe a few liners here and there if I play music, but I just don't feel like I don't feel like podcasts need to be these like produced radio shows. It's so weird too cuz I look at some podcasts now and I'm like we we actually went backwards where there was a time where like back in, you know, the 20s and 30s and shit where like, you know, like the golden age of radio where there were all those like like literal like radio shows where it was like you know, it's like a TV show without the picture, basically. It's an audio story or whatever you want to call it. And then there are names for it. I'm just blanking here. But, you know, after that, once TV became big, then they would make TV shows based off those radio programs. Now it's going the other way where there's like TV shows and shit that are that are based, you know, now there's podcasts. So now they're doing like audio storytelling that's based off a visual, you know, a visual medium, which is definitely backwards from what it was like literally a hundred years ago, which is just so funny to me, you know, but, uh, yeah, you know, some of that stuff again, I'm like, I just feel like that should be on radio. Like, I don't, I don't know. I guess, I guess a podcast is whatever you what you want your podcast to be. I guess it's also the beauty of it all. And, uh, here it is all about talking about punk and alternative. And, you know, I was kind of going back and forth here for the December rundown. I'm like, should we do December rundown or should we just do year end and just talk about the whole year in general? But really, I feel like there's enough stuff that went on this month to talk about where, uh, you know, the the new episode of the, of the new year, which will be uh, next Monday, I'm going to go through my top 10 albums of 2020 and everything. But like that in itself is so long that it's like to get into that and everything else. I'm like, I, you know, I'll talk about the end of the year. And the other thing with that, too, is. You know, it kind of brings up an interesting point because I want to play new music and talk about new music of the month on here. And if I only talked about my favorites of the year, I don't know how much would be on there from this month. And like, I think that's the thing with albums that kind of come out in both. If your album comes out too early in the year and too late in the year, I think it kind of hurts you when it comes to people doing their album of the year list. Now, sometimes someone will put something out that's an instant classic or like someone just loves the band so much that, you know, if their favorite band releases an album in December, that might still be their number one just off the sake of it's their favorite band. Maybe they fell in love with it right away. And who knows? Maybe it genuinely is their number one. But at least for me personally, it, it's two things. If you released an album in like January and if you release an album in December, because by the time December comes around, I kind of forget my love for those really early albums. Plus, as much as I love them early on, you know, there's not tons of music at the beginning of the year. So once you start getting bombarded with new music throughout, you kind of forget about those, you know, and it has nothing to do with the quality of the records. It just happens like the Lawrence Arms a few years ago with Metropole kind of did that where I liked it when it came out, but it came out in like February of 2014. And by the time the end of the year came around, I was listening to so, you know, so much other music came out that like I just forgot about it. And then I went back not even at the end of 2014, like I think like 2015, I went back and listened to it more. And I'm like, oh my God, like I forgot how good this record is. And now like retroactively, if I went back, that would be one of my favorite albums of 2014, where I didn't realize at the time. And I I definitely think it's because, you know, it got released so early on in the year. And then, like I said, you know, vice versa to that, there was some great music that came out this month. But like, you know, I'm someone who would feel weird about that. Like, I don't want to put a record on that just came out you know, is like my number one or whatever, you know, but it, but it does. And it's the same thing. Like, you know, as you go throughout the year, like, 
even when I was making my top 10 list, like there were honestly albums throughout the year. And you can probably go back and listen to podcasts where I go, hey, this record just came out and it's going to be on my top 10 at the end of the year. And let me tell you, it's not on my top 10 at the end of the year because there's only 10 slots, you know, and as it keeps going, you know, you don't know, including this year, this was a year of like surprise releases and stuff. Like there's so many bands that put out music you never were expecting to. You know what I mean? So it's like one – and some bands, honestly, like I look at my top ten, there's a few bands on there where even at just at the beginning of the year, go back 12 months and tell me that they're going to put out some of my favorite albums of the year and like some of their best albums of their careers. There's a few bands where I'm like, oh, man. I mean the Strokes are one. I know I've said that a bunch of times on here where I'm like, you told me in Jan- – or even after I heard uh, At the Door, like after I just heard that song, you told me like this is going to be one of your favorite albums of the year. and be like, are you fucking crazy? Like I, I didn't even like that song the first time I heard it. You know, I think the sweet spot, honestly, is like spring into like early summer. Like, I feel like if I look at my record, even looking at my list, like I feel like a lot of them consistently come from that time because it's a little it's a little bit like it's in the middle of the year. And then then I think that might play a role, too, because it's in the middle of the year and then maybe you give it a break for a couple weeks. But then by the end of the year, you kind of get nostalgic thinking about it. You know what I mean? Like you like you give it a couple months, and you already kind of have uh, like memories attached to it, you know, and then it's like you go back and it's like, oh, yeah, like I love this record. So like for me personally, that's kind of like the sweet spot. Like I feel like if you release an album between like March and June, I, I don't know, something about that, like they stay in my mind better. I, I don't know why those, those seem to be. I mean, and once again, maybe that's just me. But uh, yeah, you know, so and I, I did. I, I had such fun. It's like. Doing the, and and I don't know, like I stop at top 10, like, and there's a lot of albums that like I thought were going to be on my top 10, which really, if I was doing like a top 15, they would probably just land on that. But, uh, you know, always a good problem where you have to actually think a lot and think really hard about your top 10 and then knock things out too. I had a few albums where I'm like, this is in my top 10. And then I started, I was forgetting about albums and I went, oh no, like I got to like, I got to take this out altogether, you know, like things like that. So uh, it was really fun to do. I can't wait to do that next week. So, I mean, really, I mean, that that in itself is so long that I'm like, no, we'll just talk about December music. Because really, nothing that came out this month ended up on my top ten. But that's not to say that by, like, next year in, like, you know, late winter, early spring, I don't go, like, oh, my God, you know, like, I've had four or five months of this record, and it's, like, one of my favorite records ever. You know, like, that could definitely happen. Because there was some really good music that came out this month. But, uh, you know, pretty uh, pretty busy month. I mean, once and also, happy holidays, uh, happy almost New Year. Maybe you're listening to this in the new year. If so, hope, uh, you know, hopefully 2021 is a little better than 2020. You know, I mean, I, I know everything's locked down and stuff still. But, you know, th- at least on paper, we're not in, t- in 2020. So, you know, that part's good. But, I mean, definitely a... Uh, a very busy month, you know, with everything, with, uh, you know, Christmas and uh, just the holidays and New Year coming up here and uh, all that. Just staying very, very busy with all of it. And I had fun doing the radio show, too, because the last two episodes of the radio show at the end of the year are the holiday special and then my favorite songs of the year. That That's every year. And, uh, you know, this year it's fun because our holiday episode landed right on Christmas. So we got to do that episode on Christmas night, which was very cool. Just two hours of uh, punk and alternative holiday songs. Literally, and you can go look at the playlist. Like, this isn't even a lie. Go on Spotify. Look at our uh, holiday playlist from like a week ago. Like, half of the, half of the playlist, the songs are just called The Christmas Song. That's the title. Like, I cannot tell you 
how many bands throughout the years have just written a song called the Christmas song. And like, I don't know if it's kind of tongue in cheek where it's, you know what I mean? Where you're just kind of being funny. Like we're just being so obvious and matter of fact about it. Or if they're just being that fucking lazy that we're like, I don't know, let's just call it the holiday song. Like, I'm not entirely sure, but I mean, and don't get me wrong, the songs are very good, but uh, yeah, go look at that Spotify playlist. Like, half of the songs are just called the Christmas song, which I I, I got a kick out of that when I was putting it together and realizing that. Because it wasn't even really something that I realized when I was doing the show. It was afterwards when I was putting the playlist up on Spotify that I'm like, Jesus Christ, half these songs are just called the Christmas song. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? So that was uh, that was a few days ago here. And then uh, we'll actually be on the new year on January 1st is the next episode. So, uh, you know, first of the new year, kind of last of 2020 in a roundabout sort of way. And, uh, yeah, that'll be two hours of me just talking my top ten favorite records. And uh, I have enough time where I'll be able to play a bunch of other stuff too. But uh, I'm sure on here will be a long one. I know last year, or I guess this year, the beginning of this year, I did my uh, top 20 of 2019. And, like, that was not – I remember that being one of my very first episodes. That may be actually – actually, I think that might have been our first episode besides the show intro. And uh, I remember it being way easier because I'm like, you know, I, I wonder I wonder how it will be without music in between and stuff, you know, not doing the radio show and being more just freeform. I'm like, you know, I wonder if I'll be able to talk this whole time. And I could not shut the fuck up. You know, like when you start talking about your 10 favorite records, you realize why they're on that list. Like, like really, it's funny in a way. It's like if you can't shut the fuck up about those top 10 records and they shouldn't be on your top 10 records list, you know, like like if I can't do a podcast for two hours on them and just talk about all the things I love about them, why I love them, the best songs check out then I didn't really love them. You know what I mean? Like I didn't really like that album all that much, I guess. So I'm very excited for both. You know, I'm excited for the radio show because I get to play the songs. But uh, definitely on here I like it because even though I don't get to play the songs on here, I get to talk about them more in depth. So that's going to be very cool. But, you know, I've been busy this month uh, doing the top ten, getting that all ready. And I don't know, like I always feel like mine – goes all around the board, but not in the same way where like sometimes people go around the board and I almost feel like it's like it really is kind of a way to get attention where it's like they almost purposely go all around where it's like, that's weird that he would put that record next to that one. And I mean, I have some weird like really like I don't know that tons of people have like the strokes and the suicide machines both on their year end top 10 list. Like, I don't, I don't know that that's a huge, like, I don't know if you'll see that overlap a ton. So it's like, I have ones like that, but it's like, I don't have any where I'm like trying to be controversial or like, you know, do it for the sake of that, where it's like, I'm going to like, it's like my, my, the first nine albums of my top 10 records are all like really hardcore like bands. And then my number one is like a Taylor Swift album, like shit like that, where I'm like, Okay, maybe, like, I, I give you the benefit of the doubt, like, like what you want to like, but a lot of times I see some of those, and I'm just such a cynical bastard anyways, and I'm like, you just kind of did that to get attention. Like, you're just kind of doing that for attention. Like, I don't, and it's not even that you don't like those albums, but it's like, I don't even know that you particularly like them in that order. You're just kind of doing that, you know? Or, like, there's also just records that are supposed to be the ones that I, I feel like there, every year there's one or two records that are supposed to be on your top 10. Like, no matter who you are, it doesn't matter if you're reading one in Rolling Stone or Brooklyn Vegan or Pitchfork. It's like, you know, they all kind of have that one or two you know, records that just kind of seem to just go all over the board. Everyone kind of uh, accepts it. And I feel like it's kind of normally either like 
an indie rock kind of rock record or it's like a pop record, like a Taylor Swift. Like, I mean, I'm sure this year from what I've seen, I think that's one or like a Phoebe Bridgers too. And like, I've tried getting into her, just not really my thing, but like, she's one where I noticed, which, Hey, if you can do that in your career, more power to you. But we're like, you're seeing her on lists all over the place. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter the publication, the artist, you know, whatever it is, everyone's kind of agreeing on this. You know, like that's one this year where it seems to be, you know, like, like there's just certain ones that seem to be on like everyone's list. And again, Hey, more power to you. It's like, and I want to like, cause I'm like, I, I feel like I'm missing something here. Cause everyone else really seems to love her, but I'm like, I, I don't know. I just don't, uh, I don't particularly get it, but, uh, yeah. That doesn't matter. Tons of good music this year. You know, no no reason to, like, bask on things that – I never get that. Like, people – and I shit on bands on here. Don't get me wrong. I try not to do it too much. But, you know, we go down little rabbit holes and stuff. And uh, and it's funny because in a few weeks here, actually, uh, Kyle Steven, who uh, I got to thank him, where it was on the last two weeks for the Boxcar Racer episodes, uh, him and Zach Gorsheski making a, a uh, another appearance. He hasn't been on in a while, but uh, – you remember him from the top five Blink-182 songs and also our top five uh, drive through record songs. But anyways, we uh, we recently did an uh, episode and it's not out yet. And I think it's going to be a two-parter because this thing's – it's like four hours long, you know. And, and I, I – like that's the other thing too is it's like I don't, I don't do that as like a way because I'm like, oh, it like gets more listeners because I got to listen to it two parts. It's really like this file so goddamn long and then I also just – don't believe that anyone wants to listen to me and my friends talk for four hours that it's like I got to cut up in two parts but anyways the topic is unpopular music opinions and that one we do a lot of shit talk and there's a lot of shit talking on each other on our opinions on our thoughts like you know like like it's very fun so like as, as I'm saying I try not to like shit on artists and stuff you know I there's a whole episode coming where we kind of shit on them but at the same time too we also acknowledge our opinions where it's like hey I feel this way that's kind of one, actually. I don't even – maybe we even talked about it because I know Zach really likes Phoebe Bridgers. But, like, that's – I guess that's one of my unpopular ones where I'm, like, I realize I'm in the minority there. It's, like – and I don't think she's shitty. I'm just, like, yeah, I don't really get it. I'm like, I mean, she seems talented. But it's, like, that's eh, not really my thing. So, it's, like, that – that you know, it's kind of like an episode like that where we go through. But a lot more heated, you know. I, I guess not as laid back as that. A little more a little more shit talking. But I'm excited for that. But uh, yeah, they'll they'll be on here in a couple weeks. But yeah, I mean, there's just so such good music that came out that it's like there's no need to just bask, you know, in the in the shitty things that you don't like. There's too many good things out there, you know. But uh, yeah, and hopefully your Christmas, whatever you celebrate, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever you're celebrating this holiday season, hopefully it was rad. I got uh, I got some nice stuff for Christmas. I had a good uh, I had a good Christmas. You know, still kind of weird where you're not running around like I'm used to going to like three or four different places on Christmas at least, sometimes more, and uh, you know, really being at home for like basically the whole day. I mean, like it, it's really you know it's kind of weird. Like I've never really had a such a laid back Christmas like that. You know. Which was kind of nice in that self. You know, it was weird where you don't have the tradition and you're not going over and gathering with people. But it's like at the same time, there is a nice part where it's like, oh, yeah, like it's quiet. Like you don't you don't have to do anything. You don't have to get things prepared. You don't have to like tidy up. You know, you kind of you lose that part. But uh, no, I had a pretty rad Christmas. Got some... Uh, 
Got some nice music stuff. Got Finally got the Ramones. It's a live box set. I've wanted that for a while. Nice easy E figure as well. Um, I normally don't get those Funko Pops. I nor- To be honest, they're normally kind of cheesy. Like I think they're kind of cheesy. I bought an, I own an Axl Rose one and now an Easy e one. But those are the only two that I own. But I, I, I had to get that and uh, thank, or ask for it and, and got, got one for Christmas, which was uh, really rad. Got a few uh, audio, some audio gear too, which... Uh, We'll probably start using here in the new year, uh, actually start doing some shit, even with maybe more of like a video element, you know, I, I come from, uh, you know, going back to radio too, for a second, it's like coming from like the radio background too. It's like, I'm so ingrained where it's like just the audio aspect of this, where I do forget that like people, even for like our YouTube page, like, you know, our YouTube page, I think sometimes hurts because we're audio only. And it's like, you do forget how much the video element I think people like. And, uh, you know, I mean, if that's a thing that people enjoy too, it's like, you know, I want to do it. So I did get some uh, cool stuff for Christmas, which I can start utilizing here in the new year, which would be very, very cool. But uh, yeah, I had a good Christmas. No real plans for New Year's. I mean, it's just going to be, it's insane too, because last New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve 2019, I spent in New York City. And now, I I would not. That's the last place I would want to be on New Year's Eve. Like last year's the only place I wanted to be. It, it's all I wanted to go there my entire life, and I was like, go now. Like I'm just like my my buddy canceled on me with some plans we had. So like last minute, I'm like, well, I just got kind of fucked out of plans. Why don't I just go up there? Like how many times do you just on a whim just go to New York City for New Year's Eve? I'm happy as hell I did because the whole world shut down like two months later. Um, you know, but it is so funny. Like you would have told me when I was there last year, having the time of my life on new year's Eve, like, dude, you would not want to be here for new year's Eve 2021. I'd be like, shut the fuck up. Uh, future Anthony. Like, what are you talking about? You know, like I wouldn't believe it, but, uh, no, here we are. We're here. We are December, 2020. And I can tell you New York city is about the lat is about the last place that I would want to be right now, you know, in insane to think about, but Hey, that that's what it is, you know? And, uh, it does suck too. I'm, I'm a, uh, as you probably know, listening to this show, I do enjoy my hiking and, uh, this year, I mean a weird year for it, but I did actually end up finally visiting the entire lower 48 States. I can say that I, uh, marked that off my list, a big one this year, you know, the podcast and doing that are like probably my two big things for the year, you know, really getting the podcast off the ground, getting some guests and I'm very proud of, and, uh, also finishing up finishing up there uh, with Vermont. That was the last place I had to go, but uh, did did get Vermont in for a nice hiking trip. Stayed away from people, very socially distant, um, you know, all, all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, uh, finished the lower 48 by age 28. Did that for my 28th birthday last month. And, uh, you know, that was a fun thing. But it does suck uh, here in December because it's just been too cold here in Western New York and also hunting season which I fucking hate. I, I don't like hunting. I don't particularly condone it. I I'm a vegetarian and shit. Like, I, and I'm not really one like that where I'm like, you know, on my high horse with, uh, with shit pertaining with, uh, animals. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm probably, as you can tell, not, you know, I don't think it would surprise you to know then that, yeah, I'm not really uh, pro hunting or anything, but like really on top of, I mean, just going out and fucking killing animals and shit. Um, just like hiking and hearing gunshots, I fucking hate it. And then sometimes when they get closer, like more, I've had many times in the in the woods where you're a gunshot that's real distant, and then it gets close. Like you hear them getting closer and closer, like shit like that. And there's also ones where it's like you're hiking places, not so far in the forest, 
But like, and actually, I, I got this not long ago on the North Country Trail, a uh, trail I love that goes from uh, from New York to uh, North Dakota, or actually, really Vermont. Even though they're working on it in Vermont, they really, uh, I think it's still like in the in the starting stages. Because when I went there, I was trying to hike it, and then I got there and realized that I think it's it's like more being developed currently. But uh, you know, they keep building off of it, and as of now, it goes from Vermont to North Dakota. And uh, I've done it in like four states now. And uh, yeah, you know, a few months ago or yeah, last month I was hiking on it in uh, PA, I believe it was. And the thing with it is it goes through some parts of it goes through people's uh, like, you know, the trail so long. Sometimes it goes through private property, which people are nice enough to, you know, allow you to uh, use the trail through, which is very, very cool. But like in doing so, you know, sometimes you're walking it. And you're getting motherfuckers with, like, guns on there. Like, you can see them. Like, I'm walking and hiking, and I can see these guys, like, walking through with guns and shit. And, like, you know, it, it just, yeah, it, I don't like it because I'm, like, there's, I mean, hunting accidents exist. And, you know, I, it, it happens. Like, obviously it happens. So it's, like, I don't want someone to Dick Cheney my ass. Like, you know, I, I'm out here hiking. Like, and that's the other thing, too. Then you... Then it's like, guys, I don't hunt, so I'm not in the mindset of wearing orange and shit. So it's like, there's there's been a bunch of times, and I generally wear dark fucking clothes. I'm, you know, the teen goth that I am, you know, the your teen goth host of the Power Court Hour. You know, I, I tend to wear a lot of dark clothing. So it's like, you know, naturally I'll go out in that, and it's like, you forget, and you're like, oh, fuck, like, I can't even wear this because some idiot's going to fucking might shoot me while I'm out there hiking, you know, and it, I, I just hate it. So, yeah, this month I really haven't been able to get out much, you know. I mean, on top of don't get me wrong, been lots of days that have been too damn cold or even even if there was no hunting, I probably wouldn't be out there. But, uh, yeah, hunting is kind of uh, put uh, hiking on hold. I'll have to get back to it. I don't mind winter hiking either. I actually, I really, if you live in a place where there's a lot of snow and you don't like you don't currently do snow activities 100% get into them because even though like I still don't love winter a lot of times the bitter cold and shit but it's like when you hike and when you make plans to go out and do that like it it makes it so much better you have things to look forward to you're not you're not bitching that it's so cold out and stuff you're like oh hell yeah like I'm going and doing like the north country trail like earlier this year I did 50 miles on the north country trail I've done way more than that this year but from like January to March um, there, there, there was like a, uh, you know, hike 50 miles on it. I think you had all year to do it, but I was just like, I'm going to try to get it done as fast as I can. And it gave me something to do in those months, you know, where January, February, and March, I mean, pretty fucking cold in Western New York. And yeah, I could sit inside and bitch that the weather's bad and, you know, I could just waste my days or you can go, I'm going to get up really early tomorrow because the sunrise early and the sun sets early. I'm going to get up early in the morning with the sun and I'm going to go out and I'm going to hike, you know, six or seven miles and it's going to be fun. You know, is it going to be cold? Sure, but I'm going to bundle up. So, uh, you know, I, I, I do think for people who uh, live in very cold, snowy areas, like I definitely condone that. And it's something I really only re- realized the last few years where I'm like, yeah, you got to kind of do things. You know what I mean? Like you got to do things in the winter. Some places are better than others. Like around here, we're not very good at it. Jamestown and like the Buffalo area and all that. Just Western New York. Like I feel like everyone just uses an excuse. It's really more like, well, now people can just go to bars and shit. Like it's cold out. Whereas some places like, like I think, I think like Minnesota does it pretty well. Like they were pretty good where like, yeah, it's cold as fuck up there, but it's like there's winter outdoor festivals and shit going on where it's like, yeah, sure. It's like 20 degrees out, but it's like, there's a cool festival going on downtown 
or, you know, like just different share, like up in like Duluth with Bentleyville and, uh, you know, like different things like that where like, yes, it's cold, but we got to live here anyways and it's not going to kill us. So it's like, let's embrace it. You know, I think that's the best you can thing you can, uh, you know, you can do in uh, this like season and weather and all that, depending where you're listening, you may be listening to a part of the country or in another country where it's just fucking beautiful, uh, year round. But, uh, yeah. And I want to hear that. Like, sometimes I talk to people I know, like who live in California and they describe their winters. And I'm like, you just mean fall. Like, that's just fall. Like, that's not winter that <laughs> like, that's just hoodie weather. Like that's just jeans and a hoodie weather. Like that's not, that's not winter. That's like October and November like weather. And, and I, it just, I don't know, always, always makes me laugh. I guess, I guess I've only ever lived in, uh, I mean, New York and Minnesota are my two places. So I've, I've only ever lived in really cold fucking places. So maybe that's my problem. That's why I I have no sympathy for them. But, uh, something I did, something I uh, did get to do this month, which was very, very cool. Even though I didn't really get to hike, but was, I got to, I got to do quarantunes, which is something that I've talked about on here quite a bit uh actually in our november rundown the last one of these when uh christian came on as well as uh josh doing uh jersey interchange and premiering their cover of the gaslight anthems casanova baby uh, we were talking about quarantunes because uh christian christian i believe has been parts or has been a part of it in the uh, past and josh uh, was actually part of this one that i was on i think he was on a few other ones too uh josh polhemus who were both uh, him and Christian Lesperance were on the November rundown. But anyways, we talked about quarantunes, and I've talked about it on other ones. I've promoted it on uh, social media and all that. And uh, Jay's just a really good dude who puts them together. And uh, just all year, if you don't know what they are, he's been doing it since, like, I think March or April. I mean, he got on this right away. Like, March or April was the first one. And uh, it's it's performers. It's Friday nights for, like, two or three hours and uh, it's it's mostly performers from the New Jersey pop punk scene, you know, like that late '90s, early 2000s scene that I always talk about on here that I love so much. And uh, and then they also get people who are kind of like, I mean, they're all connected to it, you know what I mean? Like they get they get people on there who aren't particularly from New Jersey, but play you know played in bands from that era. Or like with me, you know, we just talk about it so much on here that, uh, you know, Jay was nice enough to have me on and uh, interview me about the show for a few minutes and it was just so fun because I've never been on that side of the table. I've never been, uh, you know, I'm always the one interviewing people. I'm never the one who's been uh, interviewed. You know, it's very interesting because like as someone who's interviewing someone, you, you know, you want to, you want to say things and have points and be interesting and stuff, but you also want to shut the fuck up. You know, like I realize if you tune in and like, I mean, it's still our most downloaded episode of the year is the Midtown episode with Heath Saraceno and Rob hit. And it's like, if you tune in for that, I realize you're not tuning in to hear me just talk like you're here to hear them talk. So I realize that. So it's like, as a host, you know, you got to realize when to shut the fuck up where you're a guest and you have to kind of find this sweet spot of like, well, no, now I'm the one who's supposed to be talking a lot. Like now it's okay if I talk for five minutes, you know, but, uh, Jay was really good at Jay was really fun. And, uh, it was just really fun to talk to him and do it and, and just do that whole live thing too. I mean, doing, doing live, like whatever, um, you know, whether it's that or like doing live radio, is so fun. Like it's so different than, and I love like, like recording these and stuff, but it's like, there's nothing you can beat voice tracking versus doing live. There's just an energy of doing it live. And, uh, you know, even it was on like, you know, we did it on a uh, Facebook live and it streamed on, uh, on YouTube and also on Mikey Erg's Facebook, which I got a kick out of. He was streaming on his as well. He's one of the performers, 
But uh, yeah, you know, like just being live on there in between artists. And like, I got to say too, I mean, so many live streaming events this year, obviously. I mean, there's been hundreds of them. And uh, for one, Jay does these for free. I know a lot of them are paid. Nothing wrong with that either. You know, people got to make money. But uh, these are free. And he's also gotten performers. It's the same thing that I love Christian for doing with Jersey Interchange. He's gotten guys from this scene who haven't done anything in years, and they're performing again. Um, I mean, a huge, huge list here. I mean, he's Saracino, who I mentioned, past guest of the show. He uh, played, and it was awesome to hear him play some Midtown songs. Uh, absolutely great. Fred Mascherino of uh, Taking Back Sunday, Breaking Pangea, The Color Fred, Terrible Things. I mean, that was another one. Like, talk about an honor to be on with these people. Like, I mean, I've been, I mean, since Fuse. Like, I, I've brought on here, like, how Fuse was kind of my MTV for people of, like, you know, the 80s or the 90s, like 120 minutes. Fuse was that for me in the mid-2000s. From, like, 2004 to, like, 2008, and actually really even to like 2010 i would even say but but really like the years of really like like the later years they weren't so much turning me on to new stuff like at that point i already knew those bands you know i still enjoyed it but it's like they weren't i already knew who alkaline trio was you know what i mean like at that point it's like you're you're not turning me on to these bands but for like a good 4 years there they they were my discovery for so many bands and i mean watching taking back sunday on there the videos just so much you know, the make damn sure video or, you know, a decade under the influence, like any of those, like, you know, just listening to where you want to be and louder now so much, uh, just an honor. And also, I mean, so cool. I would love to talk to Fred sometime. And he actually did a Lemonheads cover and uh, he ended the night with it, which was awesome. But he played bass with Lemonheads for a tour or two, which uh, is just so cool. I would love to talk to him about that. I'm thinking next year, maybe because louder now turns 15. Maybe we'll get him on to an album anniversary interview and uh, partly talk about Louder Now, but also we have to get in to how he, uh, you know, got to got to tour with the Lemonheads and everything. It was cool. He talked a little bit. I mean, he said how much he loved the Lemonheads and how fun that tour was. And uh, he did a rudderless. And at the end of the night with it was, was absolutely amazing. Mikey Erg played, like I mentioned, another one. I'm a huge Erg's fan. I play Mikey Erg's music all the time on the radio show. Chris Schultz played. Cooley Ranks also got interviewed and uh, of the Pilfers, very, very cool guy. I know he's working on some new music right now, and I'll just throw that out there because I know he's trying to get the word out on his new stuff. He's doing some solo things, which uh, he also says kind of sounds like the Pilfers, and uh, was just a really cool guy. We might, we might have to get him on here when uh, you know he's releasing the new music, get the word out more. But uh, you know, he was on another one. Uh, former guest of the show from last month, Josh Pohemus. He and all all of them were so good too. Jay Foley, Chris Revel of uh, the Let's Chat podcast, and shout out to him. He's such a such a nice guy, and me and him uh, connected after uh, doing that, and uh, he's been just very, very cool guy. Shout out to him uh, for all the kind words and just being a really cool guy, and, uh, you know, I, I've, I've loved talking to him with it. You know, that's the cool thing of doing the show is when you meet people and, uh, you know, like really get talking to them stuff, not just like follow each other. Right? You know, you meet, you meet some people, maybe you follow each other on Instagram or something. It just ends there. But you also meet people who you do bullshit with and you do talk to still and stuff. And like, I, and I always appreciate that. Same with like past guests. Cause it's like, I'm never, I'm never one of these people who like, like some people, I think they have guests on their podcasts or their radio show or whatever. And they interview someone and there's this thing that they think that makes them friends or something. And I'm never under that like pretense of like we're buddies or this is going to make us friends because you just shouldn't do that. I mean, that's not what, you know, that's not what it's for. If that happens, that's awesome. And it has happened. 
But like that, that's what I was saying. It's like it's very cool when it does because you should never expect it. I mean, it, it shouldn't be expected. But when you do shit and they and people end up being cool and you do stay in contact and you do talk to them, you know. I mean, actually, Heath is one of them. He uh, he's been such a cool guy. I mean, as someone who I, mean, I fucking skipped my community college graduation to go see him reunite with Midtown. And uh, for him to be a dude who just, you know, still uh, follows the show and still has very kind words and, you know, I still talk to and stuff from time to time. Like, that's the shit that it's like I appreciate. Because I'm like, you know, they're, they're, I have no pretense. I'm like, I had Heath on my show. Like, it, like that, that's it. Like, it, it goes no further than that. You know what I mean? It's like, it's kind of those things with like, uh, you know, like people kind of get that with artists too. Where it's like you go to a show and you're kind of expecting of like an autograph and a picture and stuff. And it's like, it goes beyond the, the initial thing of, you know, you came here for a show, just like we conduct an interview, you know, like, like kind of going further than that, but I'm going off on a tangent. I'm, what I'm saying is I'm so happy that, you know, a year into the podcast and uh, just meeting very rad people from doing it that I wouldn't have had I not started doing the podcast element of this, but uh, Chris Revel, very cool. Let's chat podcast. Definitely go check them out. And uh, other people too. I mean, Sam Macy, Brian McGee, Steve Boletto, Tim Ho Jr., uh, Jeff Cohen, Sean McGovern, a few other people. I know Chris Baker uh, or Barker from uh, A Day at the Fair and Lane Meyer. He was supposed to play, but some stuff came up. I mean, he's another one. Like, just there's there's people on this list that you know, like that lineup. And I gotta say, everyone absolutely fucking killed. But I mean, there there's like four or five people on there that like I've been listening to them for probably over a decade which, you know, is a good chunk of my life. And, I mean, again, like with Fred, like, I mean, to be asked to be a part of this, which I was already a fan. Like, I've been watching these all year. And uh, to be asked to uh, join it, I mean, just shout out Jay. I mean, I can't thank him enough. And allowing for me to spread the word, too. You know, it, you know, I try to do this to help spread the word with bands. But, obviously, we want to spread the word on the podcast and radio show. And, uh, you know, he gave me he gave me that outlet. He gave me that opportunity. And uh, I can't thank him enough. And, again, it's like to be able to do it, with uh, all all those dudes that like you know are just for I mean artists you know people were from Midtown and taking back Sunday and the Ergs and the Pilfers and a day at the fair and like things like that where I go like holy shit like these are bands that again like I've been listening to forever like I mean and those are bands too like blasting on my ride skipping my community college graduation driving eight hours to Asbury Park to see Midtown reunite Skate and Surf 2014. And, like, the whole way up blasting all those bands that I just mentioned to you. You know what I mean? Or, like, meeting Fred at Warp Tour in 2011 and just, like, almost losing my shit, you know? And, like, I never got to see him play with Taking Back Sunday, but I got to see him uh, do a terrible thing set there. And it's, like, to be able to see him do that and perform, even if it wasn't Taking Back Sunday, it just meant the world to me. You know what I mean? Like, it was just so fucking cool. So to be able to be a part of something like that was just awesome. I can't thank Jay enough. You can find that too. That that is, uh, you know, I'll put a link in the show notes. But it's still on the NJ Pop Punk uh, Facebook group, which you should go join. Just go search NJ. Uh, if you just put in NJ Pop Punk, I think you'll be able to find it on uh, Facebook. It's also on their YouTube page, the NJPP Archives. Um, they host it on there as well. So it's on YouTube. It's on Facebook. It's like a three-hour event. I mean, I'm on there for like 10 minutes. But like, like, fuck that. Like, I mean, don't even watch it for me. Like, I mean, like, I'm, I'm honored that I was a part of it. But it's like, watch it for all of these great artists. I mean, like I said, these are artists who were either a part of that special New Jersey pop punk ska scene or have something to do with it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like me. Like, that. That's why. that's why I love that scene too. And I couldn't thank them enough. I'm like... 
this is a scene that I've been so interested in for years and years, but didn't know anyone from. And like, just started realizing how many bands I love that came from Jersey and like their old bands that like, you know, they started before they're like big ones, you know, like, like armor for sleep or uh, saves the day and stuff like different bands like that, that I was into that later I realized like, Oh, there's Seffler and like, like, uh, I think it was random task that, you know, Ben from uh, Armor for Sleep was in first. Like all the all these like older bands and same with like Shower with Goats, my very first guest on here, Steve Neurotic. And, uh, you know, just to be welcomed with open arms by this scene where they're like having me on to like promote my show and do different things like that. Like, again, I can't I can't thank Jay enough. I can't thank uh, Quarantunes, everyone who watched and tuned in. Um, and everyone else who performed, you know, I was, I was kind of sad because there was an after show afterwards where like the people, the performers of the night get on there. And uh, I was just too tired, you know, and like uh, Heath was on there. Fred from Taking Back Sunday, Mikey Erg, um, Chris from Let's Chat. He was on there and said like like everyone was up on there talking. And I was like, like at this point, it was like one in the morning because it's the other nice thing is it's like three hours. But it's like, you know, it's very, you know, it's just an online free like concert monthly thing and it's like you know if people go over and stuff it's cool so like at this point it was like one in the morning for the after show and uh i was listening to it all but i was like laying on the floor of my uh home studio uh you know with a uh, home studio in quotes you've probably seen it on uh, instagram it's funny because sometimes you'll look and i'll be in the really nice like right now i'm recording in the wrfa studios and like this is a very nice studio like this is a renovated like this was renovated two years ago to be a studio it's very well nice put together very nice equipment and then my home studio which is actually nice equipment but it's a room in a basement that's like like you can touch the like the walls crumbling like you can touch the wall and like the fucking rock off the wall will just start crumbling in your hand so it's like you know which is cool i don't need i don't need anything else i mean it's a fucking punk studio for a punk motherfucker like myself you know, there I am being a hypocrite again. Earlier I tell you I'm a goth teen. Now I'm a punk motherfucker. I I just can't. I can't. Uh, you know, I can't make up my mind when it comes when it comes to it. But it is funny because if you look on like our Instagram, like if you go check on there. Yeah, sometimes you'll see videos where like I'm in a very nice room with very nice like overhead lighting, and then I'm in what is obviously like a basement room with like dilapidating walls <laughs> nice equipment though i mean very nice equipment like all my guitars and shit in there like like lots and lots of nice stuff just in a you know just in a fucking basement like a lot of people have you know but uh yeah i, I was passing out on my uh, home studio floor during that after show listening listening to them talk and uh fred close it all out with rudderless but uh, yeah, wish I wish I could have been part of the after show, but I I was very thankful to be a part of it all. But check out Quarantunes. I mean, they're they're gonna keep it going, and uh, really, and I actually I was talking to Chris about this uh, from Let's Chat, but like we were kind of talking about it, about once this is all over with live shows, and you know he he uh, has kids, you know he he has a busier life and shit, so he's like, dude, like even when this is over, it's like. I can't really get out to shows anyways. And he's also, I think he said he's like in Rhode Island, you know. So, I mean, he's, uh, you know, not in, the, not in the biggest of places, you know. And I and I can relate. I'm, I'm here in Jamestown. And, you know, if I want to go to a show, the closest normally Erie or Buffalo. So, I got normally at least like a 90-minute drive if I want to go see any kind of quote-unquote local show. And even further, if I go to like, you know, Rochester, Cleveland, or Pittsburgh, which are also, you know, kind of stomping grounds for me when shows are going on. But, um, you know, just that thing where it's like location, being busy, having kids and shit. It's like, you know, 
is live streaming just magically going to go away? Because the other thing is, are people going to, I don't think people are just going to jump right back into going to shows. There's going to be, even when shows come back, there's going to be a lot of people who don't feel comfortable right away. So there's really this, like, I think there's going to be a demand for it. Like, and people are paying. Like the other thing, he sent me some uh, really interesting articles. And uh, like, I think the one was maybe, I want to say it was under oath, like made a shit ton of money off their recent live stream. Like a lot of, a lot of artists are making a lot of money doing this and more power to them again. It's like, you know, right now, like people being deprived of shows, you know, it's very cool that they do it. And I try to spread the words on, you know, the word on them on here. I know I'm looking forward to Jimmy World in the new year doing a futures surviving and clarity i'm very including for clarity and surviving i'm excited for futures too but the other two i'm like really including because i never got to see clarity live when they did that but to be honest i didn't get into clarity till 2011 and they did that tour in uh or actually 2010 i got into clarity because it was a year after and i know they did the clarity uh tour yeah because that came out in 99 so 2009 they did that tour which really people i think forget that Jimmy World opened the floodgates for anniversary shows. Like, I'm sure there were other bands. Like, they're not the first band to play an album front to back live. But, like, they're one of the first bands, I think, to truly do, at least within the scene, to do a tour where they're like, we're playing this record front to back for the anniversary. Like, they they have to be one of the very first ones. And after that, the floodgates fucking opened. Because then 2010 came, and then it, then it started. You know what I mean? I, I don't think it's let up. And and I'm never, you know, I'm not against that. Uh, You don't hear it so much now, but I remember like in the early 2000s, like on absolute punk and shit, it would come up a lot in conversation. But like if you enjoyed, you know, like the anniversary show or not, or if you thought it was like a cash grab, I've always been a fan of it. But the funny thing is like after a while though, bands start like it's no longer like I get the 10 year thing, but like bands would start doing like a five year anniversary where they play it front to back. Like after a while, it just became a thing where bands realize that like, and still now, where it's like I, I'm not, I'm not like throwing anyone under the bus or anything. But there's definitely bands who I think have just realized that they can play their super popular albums and will get like people will pay money for that or will come out to it more. Where it's like they're more likely for that. Where it's like they'll just do that. They'll figure out a way. It's like uh, it's the eighth anniversary of this album this year, so we're gonna go play it front to back all year. Or for no reason, they'll just be like, you know, actually in the music news here later on. Um, you know, which I mean, bands are doing now because of it, you know, doing the live streams, a lot of them are doing, you know, albums front to back, you know, not just for an anniversary, but just because basically, um, and actually a good one later on talk about music news, but yeah, you know, it is just funny. It's the kind of started where it's like, all right, it's like the 10th anniversary, but then, but here's the thing with it. When does the box get closed? Because the anniversaries don't stop. You know what I mean? Like the, it starts as the 10th anniversary. But then there's the twenty, and actually, to Jimmy World's credit, they didn't do the twentieth for Clarity last year. You know, they could have went and did that, but they didn't. But you know, there's a lot of bands who I think already have. But like, you go on tour and do it, and then five years, you know what I mean? You basically go play that album front to back every five years now. Like, like that's where I'm like, where does the box close? Because I think it's just going to keep happening for a long time, basically until people quit. Really, I say that, you know, it's going to end it. It's whenever people stop coming out to album shows, you know, like, and because and once again, bands know too, they, you really don't go do an album anniversary tour on, on records that aren't fan favorites. You do it on the ones, you know, they're going to pack the fucking place. Like the live streams are cool now, I think, because it gives bands a chance where they're like, okay, we can play that least popular album or the less popular album because we're not doing a whole tour and we don't have to worry about 30 people showing up in Iowa you know, we play this album that didn't sell very well. You can do it once on there and whoever wants, you know, whoever the niche audience for that is, 
um, you know, can go check it out. And, you know, if, if that's not your thing, then that's not your thing. You know, you, you don't have to go. It's not like the whole tour. You're not pissed off when they come through your town because they're playing that one album you don't like. You know, it's just a thing online now where it's like, okay, you know, you can kind of forget about it. But, uh, yeah, I, I really do feel like Jimmy World kind of uh, opened all that up. But also, you know, like, thank God for fucking, like, tech right now. And uh, to be, like, during just the quarantine and everything, you know, also just for, like, you know, I've been thinking about it, too, not just for this, but outside of, like, live, you know, online live streaming, being able to do that. But also, like, during the holidays, you know, being able to stay in contact with people and stuff, you know, in a way you never could before, you know, being able to still, yeah, you can't see people, but you can still wish them Merry Christmas online and shit like that. Like, very much like that. Like, very, like, I I heard from some uh, listeners of the show, like, on Instagram and stuff and got some nice, you know, like, just even just you know, DMs of like, Hey, Merry Christmas and shit. And just very nice. You know what I mean? Like, it's very nice that even though it was weird this year, it's like, you can get things like that where it's like, well, you know, it it makes you, you know, it makes you feel good. makes you feel a little better. But, uh, you know, on the music side of that, it's like, thank God we have that. Cause it's like, there's no, if we didn't have the technology, you know I mean? If, if this pandemic happened even in like 2010, to be honest, like even 10 years ago, I mean, yeah, the internet's there and maybe we would have caught up a little faster just from demand of it. But it's like, you couldn't host this shit. You couldn't do these. Like, I don't know that we could have done quarantines. You know, go back even further. Go to like the year 2000. Yeah, we have internet, but there's no way. Or even 2005. Like, there's no way in hell that, uh, you know, any of any of this, I think, would uh, would be able to happen. You know, so it's like, I, I'm so happy that uh, bands... Because it's the other thing, too. This is a way for bands to make money. It's like, yeah... It obviously doesn't take over because people like that's really the the conversation you should be having. Like when I was talking to Chris about it with like, I think like it's not a question of because for a while people are like, oh, is live streaming going to take over live concerts? And for one, I think it's just a clickbait article kind of bullshit thing where it's like it's just to get you know what I mean? Like it's just so over the top. And it's like that's my thing. I'm like, no, absolutely. This is never going to replace a live show. Absolutely not. But I think it could coexist with the live show. Whether that means you're just live streaming the actual show going on or people just do a full production without an audience and they stream it live or they just pre-record it and release it, you know, basically like a paper. Actually, it's so funny because basically like I was saying earlier, we're like, you know, back in the in the like 30s and 40s as TV was getting big, you know, like they they would take these like radio programs and make them TV shows. Now we're taking TV shows and making them podcasts and uh, kind of the same thing with that. You know, there was a time where bands would do fucking pay-per-views like you could get like a live concert, like, you know, pay pay forty dollars for a fucking Van Halen pay-per-view, like things like that. We're kind of going back to that. We're really kind of regressing in a lot of ways if you think about it. But, you know, like like I think it's more of that. It's not a question of because really they're two different things. Like and again, like. That was awesome. Like doing quarantines and watching those, it's awesome because you get people together who aren't going to go out there and tour and, uh, you know, and really don't, and don't have a need to, including with quarantines because a lot of those people haven't, like I brought up, Jay gets a lot of people who don't play music anymore who you get to. So it's like you're not going to see these people tour even if touring came back. It's like you're not going to, you know, like Heath. I mean, Heath is a family man now. Like, yeah, he played with Midtown and Census Fail for years, but it's like, those days, I think, you know, he said it interviewing him, you know, that's kind of behind him. You know, I think he still loves doing stuff. But you know what, though? He also picked up his guitar for the first time in quite a while this year. You know, he also said that. So, like, it gets you, 
you know, it's made him release a couple covers and it got him to play on there and stuff, which is great because once again, if if it was if this didn't exist now, this new medium that's kind of coming up of live streaming shows, you wouldn't you would never see him because there's not an alternative of him of him being out there with Midtown or Census Fail. He's not doing it. So it's like that's where I'm like, these can coexist, you know, a live streaming for people who aren't comfortable when shows get back and who just can't go, who it just is not feasible. Cause look at, I get it. Like I totally get it from someone who doesn't have kids and shit, just driving to a city. Like even just driving to like Buffalo. Like the thing with that is like, like I love doing it, but it's like, it costs gas. There's parking. Like if you're going to be up there, you're probably going to eat. You're probably going to get hungry. You're, you're out of town for like, you know, seven hours. At some point you got to eat. And it's like, and the other thing too is, if you go do anything else, you know, a few, a few episodes back when I was just talking about all the record stores I've been to around the country, it's like, I love doing that. You know, you drive to Cleveland for a show and you, you know, if you don't have anything going on or you get up there early, it's like, fuck, I'm going to go raid some record stores and you know, you just spend more money. So it's like, it's always, and the fucked up thing too, is you never spend that much on the bands like at all. Like, like I remember, uh, I was seeing Hawthorne Heights open from, for, uh, from mom to ashes a few years ago at uh, Alter Bar in Pittsburgh, RIP Alter Bar. It was such a great venue. But uh, I, rem- I remember <laughs> me and JT were joking about it. But, like, the Mc- it's funny. The McDonald's next door to Alter Bar, they were very smart on this. They sold parking for, you know, so it's, like, late at night. They knew, you know, after, after like, 6 or 7 o'clock, the, the shitty cars that are in their parking lot with a bunch of band stickers on them, they realize they're not patrons. They're the people next door at the fucking Alter Bar seeing a show. So they were very smart and started charging. But they charge like fifteen or twenty dollars for parking. And I remember uh, telling JT that, like, what I paid, and he's like, "That was more like that's more than a fucking ticket." And he's like, "Right, it's like so much of your money." You know, he made a great point. He's like talking about he's like so much of your money doing these things. It sucks, but it's like doesn't even go to the band. Like so much of things that you pay for for the live music experience, like none of it goes there. Like what the fifteen dollar ticket and maybe the twenty dollar shirt you buy, but it's like. What like they don't make any money off the drinks that you have there or the parking you paid outside or the dinner you ate, you know, or the tolls you had to pay or anything like that. Or if you had to have a babysitter or anything like that. So, again, that's where I'm like, you know what? Live shows, live streaming might be a thing, you know. And again, maybe it is a thing where it's not maybe it's something on its own or maybe it's just you go to shows now and shows are just mostly live streamed. You know what I mean? It's like you just get used to having. You know, and and really technology the way it is, you don't even need a whole camera crew. Maybe there's a couple cameras in the back, a couple of mics, you know, around like the audience and on the stage and shit, you know, like just mic up the room and, uh, you know, sure the live show is going on, but if you can't make it, pay a little money, you know, pay 10 bucks and uh, watch it that way. You know, that's my problem too. Cause I, I really, honestly, I don't think I've, I don't know that I've watched any of the pay ones. I don't think I've paid for any yet, you know, and again, nothing that I'm against them. I try to spread the word. I talk about them on here. I have no problem with them. But it's like that that's where it also goes in where like sometimes I do have an issue where I'm like, how much am I willing to pay to watch this? You know what I mean? Because like in Stage It's been around for a long time. You got to give credit where credit's due with Stage It. And I think they're flourishing through this. I, I think they've they've kind of had a resurgence from it this year, I think, and good for them. But it's like, you know, they, they've been doing that for almost like 10 years now. And I used to go on and it's like people would do like – five dollars or pay what you want and be like a suggestion of that where it's like five bucks and they do cool shit where you like tip them for incentives and stuff but like something like that i think is good where i'm like you know what? i pay like five bucks now i get that like that's that's also though like normally artists playing in like their bedrooms and shit if you have a full production and stuff 
that's a little different and I see where that's something. And this is all new again. This is new it's new waters of this year. You know, stage it's been around for a while, but overall the idea of live shows and this other thing is that's kind of like a side thing. It's not like that ever took over. It's not like bands were doing that instead of playing live shows. That was kind of a this is also a fun thing to do. Or like I'm the front man of the band, and I'm just going to do like an acoustic set you know, for a couple bucks on there, you know, very different from being like, oh, we can't play shows at all. And, uh, you know, like this is the only time that we're going to be able, you know, to uh, perform at all this year or make any kind of uh, money, you know. So, so yeah, I think it's interesting. We'll, uh, you know, we'll have to see where the waters go from here with like, you know, just, just with that, with live shows. But I do, I think they're just going to both coexist. It's not the idea that live shows would just come back. It's not like say, I'm just pulling this out of my ass, but say July, 2021 comes to get like July 1st, 2021 live shows are back, baby. It's not like we just get rid of, like, it's not like bands just all together quit doing live streams. Like there's just no way. Cause also how many people are going to feel comfortable going back into things like that right away, including if you're a listener of this show, like you, if you listen to the show, you probably go to dives, you go see shows and bands who play dives, they play house shows, you know, they play just different, you know, sometimes unconventional places where you leave with a lot of people sweat on you, with a lot of people spit on you with just marks and bruises. Like you are not socially distant in the least, which is also the fun of it. But it's like, how fun is that when you have to be like, oh, fuck, am I, you know, am I going to get coat? Like, is this truly over? So, like, that's the thing. I, I think they're going to kind of coexist together. But I will be interested in, uh, you know, I won't even say a year from now because who knows when all this will be over. But, you know, I would say I would be interested to see a year after whenever this ends. Whenever a year after live shows come back, I'd be interested to see where we are with a live streaming. I mean, I think I think at that point it won't be so new. And I think just because it's also being used so much now that it's probably getting pushed. You know what I mean? Like it's progressing even faster than it would beforehand just because it's what everyone's using now, you know. That, uh, yeah, like in a couple of years here, I would be interested to see where it's at. And uh, I, I think it will be really a feasible alternative where, yeah, if you can't go out here, you can do this, you know. But, uh, yeah, you know, so, yeah, the, I again, and I, I know I got on this with Quarantunes, but uh, I'll put a link in the description if you want to go check that out. All the great performers. I was on there talking Power Chord Hour. And, uh, and I, you know what? It's funny because I was talking about earlier. There's like no video element of this. There's your video element. You can finally see my face while talking. You can see me sitting in, and that's in my quote-unquote studio. That was not at WRFA because we don't have a webcam here. So uh, I, I did that one at home, and uh, it, I did not I, – I mean, I cleaned up the room a little bit, but, uh, you know, I, nothing too fancy. I left the Iron Maiden banner in the back with uh, Eddie holding Satan's hand, Satan's beheaded, uh, fucking decapitated head in his hand. Uh, one, of, one of my favorite things – it's not even really a poster. It's like one of those, like, like – uh, what do you call it? Like fabric flags or whatever, kind of like a banner, but, uh, it, it, it's like my favorite fucking thing with just Eddie holding Satan's decapitated head and it, it just iron made in number of the beast. And I think six, six, six is on there somewhere, but just really, I mean, obviously the imagery for iron maiden is always got like over the top like that, but it's like, this one is just so like, like just really just like there's no subtlety to it. It's like one of the least subtle pieces of Iron Maiden merch I think I've ever seen. You know, not to say that they're normally that subtle, but uh, easily like my favorite thing I've ever seen of them. So check it out. Check out my Iron Maiden flag behind me while I talk about New Jersey pop punk and the Power Chord Hour. 
But uh, right now, you know, this is the December rundown, so we're going to get into the new music that came out this uh, this month. The OCs came out with a new one, Panther Rotate. Less Than Jake with Silver Linings, which we'll play something off that here shortly. Deftones uh, actually put out two things, uh, Black Stallion and White Pony 20th Anniversary Edition. Both of those came out for the 20th anniversary of White Pony. And uh, you got to Deftones, I mean, like the only good new metal band of all time, like only only band that's considered quote unquote new metal that I that I like and that are really fucking good. I guess Glassjaw kind of unrightfully like I guess not now. I think in the early 2000s and really more than anything we're probably trying to be marketed that way by Roadrunner Records. Like I think they were kind of marketed that way but weren't really new metal. But uh yeah, Deftones like the only band that you that you like consistently get get called new metal that are fucking really good. You know, just such a good band. Uh, Julian Casablancas from uh, The Strokes' his other band, The Voids, just put out a new single, Alien Crime Lord. Red City Radio put out a new record I've been waiting for for quite a while, Paradise. I'll play something off here shortly off that. The Network, Money Money 2020, part two that is out now. And uh, very, very cool to see the network back. And, uh, you know, Green Day, well allegedly Green Day, but definitely not Green Day, uh, has been busy with new music this year, actually. If, if you kind of look at it, they've uh, you know put out a new record. They did this, allegedly. Billy Joe did all those covers and uh, some other shit, too. I think they've just put out some random shit throughout the year. Like, they've been pretty busy musically. So, uh, you know, never a bad thing when Green Day's active. Goldfinger put out a new one, Never Look Back. Guided by Voices, I mean, when do they not put out a new one? Guided by Voices always put out new music. But Styles, we paid for. Robert Pollard, I mean, fucking shout out to him. I mean, if Paul Westerberg didn't exist... Robert Pollard might be like the musical god, and uh, you know, just just from the sheer amount of songs that, that dude writes, and actually the quality of them too, because the is like that they're actually good. You know what I mean? Like I'm not a deep Guided by Voices guy. I can't. There's so many albums I haven't heard. Like I can't name so many songs, but it's like I can tell you for the volume, the sheer volume that's out there, and the amount I've listened to, the amount of it that's actually good is like you have to give him credit because it's like, yeah, someone could just write tons of songs and it could be really shitty, but these are actually good songs. You know, that, that's what makes them different and uh, just so fucking good. So some new Guided by Voices for you to end out the year. The More Family Band put out Missy. That is their debut record. And uh, The More Family features Randy Moore from Get Married, uh, one of my favorite newer pop punk bands out there. Dave Haas put out his Patty EP, uh Glitterer put out a new single, and uh, he's going to have a new upcoming album out uh, shortly. But the new single, Are You Sure, is out now. Devin K. and the Solutions put out a brand new single, A Little Bit. And uh, I'll play that here for you in a minute. And uh, they just put out a new full length, too. They're another one who's been busy this year. They put out a couple different things. And if you didn't know, Devin K. is the uh, guitarist also of Direct Hit. So, uh, and, and this song, and you'll hear it kind of has a, in my opinion, a, a direct hit kind of influence. You can hear, you know what I mean? You, you can tell like that, that, you know, the, that there's like, you know what I mean? That like, there's the same kind of songwriting in here that there is in direct hit. Like the, someone would be involved in both projects, you know, but really, really good. And, uh, off with their heads would don't tell me how to live. That is their new live album. And those are the new albums that uh, came out this month. Power Chord approved for you. We're going to play a couple things off them right now. Here's one from Red City Radio. This is 100,000 Candles right here on the Power Chord Hour podcast. (laughs) 
Bill? from Less Than Jake, and you're listening to The Power Chord Hour!
the december rundown of the power court hour podcast that was devin kate in the solutions with a little bit and i mean really like the last like two three years i gotta say ska is like really the whole i guess it would be like the fourth wave ska bands are like really absolutely killing it like the genre is really being revived in a way that it has not been revived in I don't even know how long. You know what I mean? And then there's bands who have been carrying the flag forever. You know, like before that, obviously, you played just some new Lesson Jake. I mean, there's bands like that who've never stopped and continue. I mean, same with like Goldfinger, Real Big Fish, you know, Suicide Machines, different bands like that from like, you know, the third wave era. But yeah, like not a lot of bands. Like I always, and I always give them credit here, like they're now called Keep Flying. But, uh, you know, used to be Survey Says and, uh, and a great band. I mean, Keep Flying's great. And, uh, and actually, I forgot to uh, mention it when I was going through the new releases. But I know they uh, just recently released some new music, too. Definitely check that out. Um, they're an absolutely great band. And, uh, you know, but, but anyway, you know, they were when they were doing Survey Says like 10 years ago or whatever, it's like they were like one of the few, do- you know, like I know there's like We Are The Union, you know, they're a newer one who are doing it too. Like there are a few bands that were, but it's like shout out to bands like that. Like We Are The Union and uh, Survey Says Now Keep Flying where like, you know, we're doing ska and really good might I say too, really good ska pop punk like during a time where no band was doing that. The only bands doing ska at that point were the ones who were already around. You know what I mean? We're already established. But, you know, last few years, uh, just absolutely killing it, you know. What I mean, even though uh, Devin K also does direct hit, you know what he does with uh, the solutions. I mean, really, really good ska. Obviously, the interrupters. I mean, putting ska back in like commercial radio for the first time in how many decades? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I see different things. I mean, I think overall people seem to like that band. I love the interrupters. I thought that last album. I went from just being kind of there, like. You know, I thought they were good live, but I was like, yeah, you know, they're they're okay. And then that record came out. And I'm like, oh, like I like, oh my god, like this is really fucking good. And it's like, 
whether you like ska or not, whether you like the interrupters, the fact that they could take a genre, which once again, when was the last time they were, they, that genre was on rock radio? Like unless, unless they're playing a 25 year old song, when's the last time? And you know, that with uh, she's kerosene, I mean, that, that shit was actually, you know, I heard that on radio. It's like, when's the last time you heard Scott, a new ska on the radio? You have to give them credit for that, you know? But uh, the same with, like, Bite Me Bambi. Uh, I'm trying to think. There's a bunch of others. I mean, and and there's tons that, like, I've even just heard in passing. It's not even that, like, I'm I'm far from a pro, and I need to be more up on this so I can play you all this and keep you more up to date on it. But it's like, there's so many bands coming out now in the ska scene, though, they're just really interesting. Like I think there's newer bands coming out, uh, putting out ska that are doing better things than I think maybe like pop punk bands that are coming out the last few years. And uh, not to say that pop punk has been like you know dying or anything like that. I just feel like I think ska's really. <laughs> oh my god, no pun intended, but I have to say this before I say it. They're really picking it up lately. <laughs> I can't. You know what? And I that was coming out of my mouth. That was just coming out. Like, I didn't think about that at all. I meant no pun with that, and I can't say it without it sounding like I'm saying a pun. But I just really feel like the last few years, uh, Ska has really just picked it. (laughs) I can't say it seriously now, but I mean it seriously. They've really picked it up the last few years. Like, have really outdone themselves. And I think are doing more interesting things than maybe even newer pop punk bands. So very cool. Devin K and The Solutions, they've put out a bunch of new stuff this year. Go check it out. And uh, Lesson Jake, before that, speaking of great uh, new ska, there they were with Bill off their new record, Silver Linings. And uh, I won't say too much, won't jinx anything, but we may be having a member of uh, the band on here soon. I'm not sure yet. I won't say anything else, but I wouldn't be too surprised if in uh, the next few months here in the new year, uh, we get one of them on here. And uh, I, the new record's really good. I love that song. And uh, I'm with him in that. Why wait for someone to die to, like, Tell them that they're legends and that you love them. Like Bill fucking Stevenson, dude. Like you you've heard you've heard me and Jason Camacho of Audio Karate twice now, twice that Jason's been on, just gush about Bill Stevenson. Both times. Like we're talking about audio karate, but it goes into Bill Stevenson eventually. And just what a good dude and talent he is. And just what an amazing person. And uh, yeah, so very, very cool they wrote that. And I also love to uh shout out to Chris. I would love to ask him this. Um, but like that guitar sounds so like, like the whole song's kind of supposed to be like descendants Ollie kind of, but like his guitar straight up sounds like an all, like that riff sounds like an all riff. Like he sounds just like Stefan, like he get like the tone, the whole riff just sounds like Stefan Egerton. Like he, he got that down. Um, amazing, you know, but yeah, so, so good. And their first record without Vinny. And, uh, I thought they did very good. You know, I know there's a lot running on that, you know, Vinny, their uh, drummer was obviously also like a big, I, I'm not going to say that he wrote the lyrics to all their songs that may not be true, but he basically wrote, he wrote the majority. He was, he was the main lyricist in less than Jake's. This is like really their first album, where I think the songs were more written by the, you know, lyrically written by the whole band. I think musically they've already always kind of been written by everyone less than Jake. But uh, yeah, lyrically, Vinny's always been been the dude to write the lyrics. And uh, yeah, I still think they did a great job. You know, I mean, losing someone that big in the band too, 
you know, credit where credit's due. Not to say they don't know. I mean, this far in, obviously, the rest of those dudes know what they're doing, not taking away from the rest of the band. But, I mean, when you lose someone who had that much to do with the band, and I'm sure they'd tell you that too. When you lose someone who had that much to do with it, there's definitely a bigger, you know, like undertaking for the rest of them that they, you know, uh, that they had to pick up on, you know, the with, with him gone, the slack they had to pick up on. And, uh, you know, I think really, really did a good job on it. So definitely go check out Silver Linings. I know I'm playing you tons of ska and uh, opening up that block of music, Red City Radio with uh, 100,000 Candles. And uh, they're another great one, obviously not ska, but they're they're this great in-between of they're a pop punk band or they kind of started as a pop punk band. But they're, you know, like they don't hide their love for Thin Lizzy and classic rock and like they will play a guitar solo, you know what I mean? Like shit like that and like they will harmonize and they like melody, you know what I mean? Like like things that are that are generally considered unpunk, you know, but I love that about them because it's like they're on Pure Noise Records. They do tour with punk bands, pop punk bands. I mean, you know, overall they are one. But just more and more on, I really on Sky Tar- Tigers, but really now on this new one, um, they really like show their love for like classic rock on it. You know what I mean? Like they show that they're just as much a rock band as they are a punk band. But uh, I absolutely love it. But yeah, you know, those are December rundown. Before I let you go, I have a few uh, pieces of music news here. And, uh, you know, before before we move on to 2021, last couple stories of the year. But uh, Matt Skiba has teased on his Instagram uh, that he is currently recording vocals and guitar for new Blink-182 music. And uh, didn't really specify, I don't think it was album or not, just Blink-182 music with uh, producer Cameron Webb. And uh, this isn't going to be the first time that Skiba has worked with Webb. Cameron also produced the latest Alkaline Trio record, 2018's Is This Thing Cursed? And uh, also worked on 2010's This Addiction and 2011's Damnesia. And uh, this would be the first, actually, though, Skiba-era Blink album that wouldn't be produced by John Feldman. Not the first time that uh, Skiba would work with Cameron, but this would be... The first, I think the singles as well were produced by uh, John Feldman. Like everything, his men. He, he produced both albums, but I think even the couple little random singles that they've done uh, were also produced by Feldman. You know, I mean, my my feelings about this, but I do have things to say. I mean, I, if you listen to this, you probably know my feelings about Skiba era Blink. Um, I love Matt Skiba. He's one of my favorites. I love Alkaline Trio. I love Blink-182, but I do not love Matt Skiba with Blink-182. And one of the things I will say, though, and here's what actually makes me kind of optimistic, is uh, two things. John Feldman is a good producer, but I and you know what? I get into this in the Unpopular Opinions uh, podcast. I'll be out in a week or so here with Zach and Kyle. But I talked about this on here, and not to spoil too much, but I said John Feldman is a great producer if you're a new band. He's a terrible producer if you're like if if you like if you're the band who's one album in maybe he's not too bad or it's your debut album like he's great he's great at that he's great if at helping a band find their sound but if a band is a few records in he's not i i that's not his strong part it's not a strong suit and i think with blink i that's one of the biggest that like that's my biggest go-to example on that how i justify that claim i'm like not if blink if blink was a new band or even this like if Blink wasn't a band and just Mark Travis and Matt did a band and they like were trying to find a new sound, go with go with Feldman. Go with Feldman. And now even with that, maybe he would rely on old shit where he'd try too hard to make things too Blink or Alkaline Trio like. 
But I don't think it'd be so bad if they were trying to go for something different. As Blink, I think it holds them back and restricts them. So I think having Cameron Webb do this is a is a step in the right direction. Because again, I love Matt Skiba. I want to love Matt Skiba era Blink One Eighty Two. It's not that I want to fucking hate it. Like I want to love everything that Skiba does. I want to love everything that Blink does. Like I want to be excited for new Blink One Eighty Two again. Like it doesn't it doesn't please me when I have to shit talk the new stuff on here. And the other thing too is I love the Alkaline Trio records that uh, Cameron's worked on. Like is this thing cursed? I thought it was really really good. Like I. You know, that's one that I liked when it came out, but I think last year and this year, I kind of had these like two epiphanies of how good it was. Like I'll get these random I'll get these random urges to listen to a song or two. Normally it's like Demon and Division. I'll listen to that and I'll start listening to the whole record and I and I'll all of a sudden it hits me. I'm like, this is really low key a really good Alkaline Trio record. Including later era Alkaline Trio, really good. This addiction um, I, and you know what? I loved this addiction when it first came out. And as times went, as time has went on, i and maybe it's morphed by people. Cause most people I think don't seem to like this addiction that much that I've talked to, not their favorite alkaline show record. And I used to love it as time has went on. I can tell you in 2020, um, I like about half of it and maybe even a little more, but there's at least four or five songs on there that are just very weak. They're just not very good Alkaline Trio songs, you know, that I, I don't go out of my way to listen to, um, you know, and would definitely be low on on the totem pole for, like, you know, my, uh, my favorite Alkaline Trio songs. But the songs on there that are good are really, really good. Um, I think Fine is one of Dan's best songs. I think that might be... I don't know. It's hard to say because they're very good with album closers. That's a that's a dangerous territory to go into for me to claim that one Alkaline Trio song is the best album closer because I start thinking about it and I'm like, they're a band that's always pretty good with uh in, with openers and closers. They're they've always been very good at that. So it's very hard for me to just sit here, including Radio is an album closer. Sorry about that is a great fucking album closer. Um, I mean, Blue in the Face. But Fine is up there, and it's still one of my favorite Danny songs. I will, I'm comfortable saying that. Not comfortable saying it's my favorite Alkaline Trio closer. Um, I am comfortable saying it's one of my favorite Danny songs, probably like in the top three. And I'm very stoked that he plays it live. Every time I've seen him solo, he has played. I don't know if I've ever seen them play it live as a band, but I've seen him play it like twice, maybe three times live uh, solo. So, I'm excited for that. Damnesia was very cool too. Damnesia is underrated. Um, people forget about that. That was a fun record. I, I thought the reimagined songs were good. That Violent Femmes cover is fucking awesome. I held her in my arms. So, so good. I was stoked they played that live on their 15th anniversary tour. But same with like Old English. Like such a good, you know what I mean? Like that's a good record. So in that sense, I, I it really does make me optimistic, really, and uh, and I really just found this out today when I was really getting music news ready for uh, the November rundown. I didn't realize that uh, he had posted that about Cameron Webb, and uh, that makes me happy because yeah, and Cameron's also worked with like Hawthorne Heights. Uh, speaking of, like I was talking about them earlier, tons of other bands. I mean, the man has worked with so many good bands, and uh, you know, I, I think I think again a step in the right direction because. Blink with Skiba could be good, but they're being restricted because again, it's like Matt Skiba can't write the lyrics that he writes. Even on the like, go listen to this thing, Curse. Like he has great lyrics on that one. That album came out, you know, two years after California, which have some of the cringiest lyrics I've ever heard from both Matt and Mark. 
You know what I mean? So I'm like, that's where I'm like, I feel like John Feldman's the main offender here. So I'm, I would be happy to hear what a Blink produced album by, you know, a Blink album produced by Cameron Webb would be. I still really want to hear, I brought up on here, but uh, when Blink was doing Dogs Eating Dogs, when Tom was still in the band, it was like right after, it was either four dog. it was either supposed to be Dogs Eating Dogs and it was, and they ended up just uh, self-producing it. Or it was supposed to be the follow-up to Dogs Eating Dogs, or really the follow-up to Neighborhoods. And Tom was talking about how they wanted to go do an album with Bill Stevenson. And that would have been the coolest fucking thing. Because they would have just done a punk rock record. Like, we really would have gotten, like, I don't want to say we, we would have gotten Dude Ranch in 2012. Because, one, I don't know if that sounds appealing as, as it's supposed to sound. And number two, I don't know how accurate that is. What I'm saying is I think we would get something that sounded like Blink in 2012. Like, like Bill's good at that where he – now, Bill's different from John Feldman. Bill is good with both. Bill can help a band find their sound, but he's also good with bands who've been doing it a while. Like, you, like people forget this. Like, like one of his biggest bands, I mean, Rise Against, who have sold so many fucking records. Like, when he started working with them – they were already a band for a good, like, I think five or six years. Like, they didn't start working with him till album, like, three or four. You know what I mean? Like, they had all those albums on Fat Records that they worked on um, or they had before Bill started working with them. So it's like, you know, he's someone who can work with bands later on. Um, he's worked with bands way later on in their career who he never worked with before and ends up getting really good results out of them. You know, he, he's really, really good. And... uh you know, I think working with Blink-182 would have been really fucking cool. And really, it still would with him. And he's worked with uh, Skiba. He produced uh, My Shame is True, which is another great Alkaline Trio record. That one was recorded at the Blasting Room. And, uh, yeah, you know, so really, I, I'm excited for this. I'm excited for Cameron Webb to uh, produce this. And I would still love to hear, you know, I mean, I, I guess the world's not over and no one's dead yet. So maybe someday we'll hear a Blink produced or a Bill Stevenson produced Blink record um, with either Tom or Mark on it. Either way, I would be stoked. But uh, going back to, you know, we were talking all that live streaming earlier and uh, a pretty cool one coming up actually for uh, if you're looking for something for New Year's, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, happening this New Year's Day, No Effects will be playing Punk and Drublick front to back. Uh, really a double whammy talking about live streaming and anniversary shows. And, uh, and also playing things not on their anniversary, but uh, they're going to be playing Punk and Drublick in its entirety on their No Effects New Year's Heave live stream show. And uh, if you remember a few uh, months back here, they did the Weekend at Fatty's event, and uh, they did that earlier, but it was all performed, like pre-recorded, and then uh, put out. Uh, this is actually going to be live. So instead of streaming a pre-recorded thing, you're going to be able to watch this online live as it's going on which uh, is more excited, I, uh, exciting, I think. Like I was talking about earlier, too, pre-recorded versus live. Definitely a difference in energy. And uh, also opening up the show on this one is going to be Fat Wreck Band, The Last Gang, a band who I play a ton on the Power Chord Hour. A really, really good band. So that is all going to take place January 1st, 2021, depending when you're listening to this. You might have missed it, but if you didn't, again, a uh, cool way to spend, really, I guess not New Year's Eve, but, uh, or yeah, I guess it is. I, I guess they might be playing... If I'm not mistaken, I think they're like playing at like midnight, maybe. So like New Year's, you know, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. But uh, very cool. I mean, my second favorite No Effects record, my favorite is definitely So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes. And uh, the, what I love about that one is the range. 
is that like they just there's so many it all works but the songs are all kind of different there's they're they, they're very there's such a variety on there i mean you have you have songs that are sky you have just straight up punk song one of their best album openers you know so that that'll always be my favorite but uh punk and drublick you know like like many others i do think is one of their uh crowning achievements and uh part of part of their peak really their first good record i would actually say because i am not a fan of the early shit like i like the longest line um that ep is good but like a lot of their older older stuff i'm not that i'm not that into um, there, I mean, there's a few, but like Punk and Drublick, I think is, here's what I should say. There's some good songs before it, but Punk and Drublick's the first record that I think the whole thing's good. The records bef- that come before that, I think there's good songs on them, but this is where the band's actually like gets good. And you know, that's like a decade in, but, uh, you know, they're, they're another one who, uh, I was about to say, you know, they've, they've worked with Bill Stevenson later on. Actually, I think Bill Stevenson worked on their last two records. I want to say. On a self-entitled and uh, their last one, last ditch effort, um, or fast <laughs> first ditch effort, actually. Um, I believe he produced both of those. Don't quote me; I could be wrong. I believe he produced both of those, and I, I really liked. They're another one. Talk about later era records. I think, uh, including self-entitled, even more. I think really holds up. I think I've liked. I think it gets better with age. I truly think. That's one of the best later era no effects records. And I don't know. I And really, I guess I don't know. I don't have enough friends. Most of my friends don't listen to most of the music I listen to, actually, which really fucking sucks. But, uh, you know, I, I guess no effects fans, the ones that I know, I don't know. Like, I don't hear a whole lot of other people praise that album. So I don't know. Maybe I'm in the minority. But I do think that's one of their best, like, later era. Like, when I saw them on the Fat Record uh 25 anniversary tour, 25 year anniversary tour. They did play quite a bit off that record and I was stoked about it. Like I wasn't sad. They also played the whole longest line EP, but that's just an EP. But, uh, they did, they did play a lot of songs off, uh, self-entitled and, uh, I was not mad about it one bit. I, I was excited. So I think that's cool. I mean, I, I didn't, uh, I don't know. I will say this, the weekend, uh, the weekend at fatties that they did. Um, and I, I saw some footage like on YouTube, um, and maybe that's wrong to say because I don't, I don't know that they were on there officially. So I, I don't know. Allegedly, I watched them on YouTube. But, like, that's kind of where I'm like – and once again, I promote them. I think it's cool. If you're into it, go see whatever – you know, because there's definitely bands that do them that I definitely have to go check out, you know, like Jimmy World coming up. But I'm like – I think it was like 40 bucks, And it had a great lineup. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of – you know, this one's cool, but it's just no effects in the last game. The last one was like – no effects, the bomb pops, uh, get dead, uh, bad cop, bad cop. I think Avenged Sevenfold actually played, and uh, Laura Jane Grace was supposed to play. She didn't play, and I think maybe one other band, maybe one or two other bands. It was like a little festival, but uh, yeah, like you know, I thought it was neat, but at the same time, it was like I mean, they, they kept doing. It was also kind of a product placement for that canned water. And, uh, you know, which I mean is, is fine. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know that you should be charging this much if it's also like product placement city. I don't know. That's my, that's my fucking two cents. You know, I still love no effects. I I still love fat records and, uh, they're like, they're one of the few them and red scare are like the two that come to mind where if they really, and TDR records, I will put TDR in there as well. Those, those would be the three where I go. If they release something, I will listen to it. 
because I go, I'm probably going to like it. Like I, I like that's a seal of approval still. Not many others have that. Epitaph did. In it, if it was still the 90s, I would say Epitaph still 100% had that seal of approval. If Drive Through Records was still around, I'd say they're one. There was an era where Vagrant, I mean, from Vagrant's beginning, from like whenever they started, like 1997 to like 2005, 2006, like if it's on Vagrant, oh yeah, it's fucking good. Like it's 100%. Now I would not say that. There are a lot of terrible things that have been released on Vagrant since. But uh, yeah, you know, so I think that's cool. You know, I, I love that record. I've never seen them play it front to back, but I mean, they do. That's one of those ones where it's like, I don't know, like it's cool. It's cool when they play it. I know it, this is far from the first time they've played it front to back. It is cool, but at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like sometimes when the anniversary shows is bands when they play their biggest records at the same time, a lot of times they'll play most of those songs in their set anyway. So like, even though I've never seen No Effects play the whole album front to back, I've probably heard at least three-fourths of that record live. You know what I mean? Like, after all, I've probably seen No Effects live maybe four times now. I mean, and I would probably say I've I've heard them play at least, like, three-quarters of it, um, you know, live. So it's like sometimes you do get that, too. That's why – that's kind of why I'm more for that, even though I know they're not as feasible because you get less people coming in. But, like, bands who will kind of play – and that's why I think the live stream is cool because maybe we'll get bands to do that more. Like the Ataris. Like, and I think, I think Chris Rose even said it. It's like – He'll go do anniversary shows for like Blue Skies and So Long Astoria because people will come out to those. And I and I have seen it. I mean, he is right. I've seen it. They play even bigger places when they do those shows a lot of times. You know, they do get a bigger crowd. Whereas if they went and did Welcome the Night, yeah, I'd be fucking stoked. But you would not get the same turnout. And it's like, you know, and it's not even that it's all about the money, but it's like if you're going to lose money to do it. And it's like also the other thing is. You should, you know, listen, what does make more sense? Like, there's nothing about selling out or like, oh, fuck them, they want to make money. It's like, if you could have 800 people show up to a show or have 150, like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's like, really, like, think about it for a second, honestly. Like, it should only take a second to think about. So, you know, I, I get it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I would like to see that more, you know, as bands perform their albums. It's like sometimes I'd like to see them do – actually, So Long would be one I'd like to see No Effects do because I've heard them play, like, Eat the Meek and, like, It's My Job it's my job to Keep Punk Rock Elite and, like, ones like that. But there's a lot of songs off that I've never heard live. So, like, an album like that I think would be cool to hear front to back. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of bands where it's like they do the album shows and it's like, fuck, you already play, like – eight of those songs in your set, you know what I mean? Like in a 20 song set, if it's your most well-known album, I mean, fuck, if it's a 10 track album, if you're playing six songs off it already, then it's like, I don't even have to really hear the whole thing. I like it better like that. Like it is cool. Cause that that's to me always the allure. And I think for most people, you know, it is where it's like going to hear shit that you're never going to hear live again. Even if it is that like deep album tracks, even on popular ones where it's like, yeah, they don't normally play that song. Though I have heard that, uh, that they have no effects and in, in, in no effects fashion have played punk and Drublick, uh, in its entirety before. And like, not played songs just forgot to play them so who knows you know it will be live this you know so if they fuck up they're fucking up live but uh yeah very cool so i don't know spend your spend your new years with no effects watching uh them play one of their best records and this is very very cool you know i cannot remember maybe i talked about this a little bit on uh on that spending too much at record stores episode of the podcast 
But uh, Bad Brains, this is some really good news if you're a Bad Brains fan, and I'm a huge one, and I'm very stoked on this. But they recently acquired the rights to their 70s and 80s catalog of music, and uh, they plan on releasing tons of it here on their uh, revived label, Bad Brains Records, which they actually used that to uh, release their very first 7-inch, the pay-to-come one, back in uh, 77, I believe. And, uh, yeah, so reviving that here to start releasing these. And that's, I mean, that's the bulk of their career. 70s and 80s was when they, you know, released most of their albums. So uh, the first release here is a repress of their first single, like I said, Pay to Come. That's going to be out here February 2021. And the band's going to continue re-releases throughout 2021 and 2022. So they kind of have, if you go look on their website, badbrainsrecords.com, they kind of had to have it set up, but it's it's like planned out where like like some of them aren't going to be released till 2022, but they already know that. Like it's like, all right, this one gets released February. This one gets released April and this one gets released in the summer. This one gets released in the winter, you know, like so on like that. But uh, some of the other ones that you can expect, I and I Survive 12-inch single, uh, Rock for Light in its original mix, uh, Quickness, The Youth Are Getting Restless. Uh, live at the Fillmore 1982, and many, many more. Uh, so I'm excited for this. I mean, really cool. And this, I'm very excited for. This, and that's why I can't remember. Maybe I did talk about this because I don't remember when I finally pre-ordered it. But I'm really, whether I had talked about it or not, on uh, spending too much at record stores. You know, I did talk about how I don't really buy records anymore. You know, I, I mean, I buy them sometimes, but I don't collect them like I once did. But I did have to go pre-order uh, the Punk Note cover of uh their self-titled their first one the uh you know a lot of people call it the yellow the yellow tape you know the one with the uh with the band in dc one which is my favorite honestly their their uh, self-title but uh with this really cool limited edition punk note cover that they're doing for uh for the first one for self-title for uh Rock for Light, and then also for, I want to say, Quickness. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think Quickness was the third one. But all of those have these limited edition punk note covers, and uh, they are new album art. So it's alternative album art, and uh, they pay tribute to the iconic Blue Note label, and they look so fucking cool. I got to be honest. The Rock for Light one is cooler than the original artwork, like by far. Like honestly, this should have been the album artwork 30 something like whatever year they released rock for light like 1982 i think this should have originally just been the artwork quickness as well it's hard to say the self-title one is cool alternate artwork but that original one is so fucking iconic anyways with the lightning bolt coming down like that's so iconic that i can't say that this alternate one is better than that but the other two i would say are 100 cooler than the original covers, and uh, I did I did just pre-order the self-title, which comes out I think in like maybe April or May. Um, you know, like some of these aren't coming out for a while, but you can you can pre-order them, and I would pre-order them fast. Like I know the Punk Note covers, like the one I pre-ordered um, is of a thousand, and that record already anytime it gets pressed sells out really fast. So like if you're if you're into Bad Brains, this is something you want. Go grab those now. Same with the pay to come. Those are out. Those are out already, I believe. So you can just go buy that now. But uh, even those, I don't know how long those will last. You know, that's only been pressed a few times here through, and really for the first time since the '70s, just a few years ago. But uh, yeah, you can go grab all this. They also have some merch too. There are like some shirts and hats up now. But uh, go check out BadBrainsRecords.com. 
And uh, definitely go check that out if you're a fan. I'm really, I'm really excited for that. And uh, and also too, I mean, you know, on another note, it's like, you know, talking about musicians paying their bills and not being able to perform right now. You know, I mean, the dudes in Bad Brains are, you know, getting up there in age, and obviously, you know, HR with his, uh, you know, with his mental health and everything, and he's had, you know, and I mean, it's been documented. I mean, I believe I think there's even like a GoFundMe a few years ago for him, but it's like. You know, HR financially doesn't, you know, isn't doing well. I think, you know, just with his mental health and everything, too, that none of that helps. And uh, Dr. No, uh, you know, he had can, and I mean, he still is, I believe, as far as I know, uh, battling cancer. So, I mean, you know, they got bills. They have bills they got to pay. And, you know, they're not really, you know, you still, well, no one's performing now, but it's like, you know, they play festivals and stuff from time to time, but they're not the live band that, you know, they're not out playing live like they once were. And it's like, you know, this is a good way to know that you're directly supporting them. Like, if you're wondering, like, how's the best way to support them? Well, how about they own the rights to their music again and they're releasing it themselves? Like, you know, like, this is a very in-house kind of thing. And, uh, you know, you know your money will go to them, you know, which that's my thing. It's like, you know, there's these aging musicians who can't, you know, like, that's the other thing with, like, the replacements and stuff with, like, them re-releasing all this shit. It's like... You know, Slim for one, you know, I mean, with him suffering the stroke and everything, I mean, he, after the replacements broke up, continued to just be a working musician. Like, he's not a millionaire. He's not a rich man. And it's like, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, they, they can start seeing some money from these things, like, good. Like, you know, he can't play anymore. You know what I mean? Like, Slim can't play. I want to know that he can, you know, afford, you know, to live and that, you know, he, he can feed his family and himself and keep the lights on and get the medical attention that he needs. So it's like, fuck yeah, like that's the stuff that I want to support and pay for, you know, and same with bad brains. It's like, you know, I, I want to know that the money's going to them because I mean, fuck, I mean, look at, you know, people say it too, you know, um, you know, throughout the years, obviously, if you go look through bad brains, like, you know, live shows, you know, in recent years too with HR, just with his mental health, you know, I mean, some of the shows are, you know, a little far from stellar, which musically they're on fire, um, the rest of the band, but you know, with, with HR, just, you know, there's times where he just either doesn't sing or he'll just like, just do really weird things on stage. And it is, I mean, it's just, it's, it's mental, it's mental health. And you, you learn more of that. If you watch his documentary, really good. I am HR, but, uh, you know, like, like, Yes, you know, maybe he's not, you know, like he's not there sometimes and stuff, but, and it's like, anyone he is, I mean, I've seen him live just solo and he's just very chill and laid back, but it's like, God damn, you know what? He paid his dues. Go watch live video of Bad Brains in the 80s, and there's a reason that he was always getting compared. Like, people call him the James Brown of punk rock, and there's a reason for that because the fucking charisma and shit, like, you did, like, that's the only person you compare him to is, I mean, James Brown is hands down the greatest performer of all time. I don't know that you can even, like, I mean, I guess you could dispute it, but fuck you if you're going to try to dispute it. Like, I'm just going to show you footage of the Tammy show, and uh, you're going to shut the fuck up because it's, like, the greatest. People ask that. Like, if you're, if, if you're burning desire right now, like, you know, it's like there's a burning question I got to ask Anthony. And it's one of those like desert island questions, but it's like if you could go back in time and see like a specific show or an artist, I want to go back and see James Brown on the fucking Tammy show because god damn it, I've never seen someone with that much emo- like him, him during I think it's please please please, like I don't think thirty seconds in he's on the ground 
just screaming his fucking heart out into the microphone. And they're, like, picking him up and, like, putting his jacket on over him. Like, it's amazing. Like, it, like if there's something I could see live, like, that, that would be one of them. But anyway, like, HR, if you go watch old Bad Brains footage, and it's too bad because so much of it is, like, grainy and shitty. There's – if you go look on YouTube, I mean, it exists. It's not, it's not the greatest quality, but it's, like, it exists out there. But it's, like, HR was a fucking madman. Like, he was on stage – with that same energy and charisma that James Brown had, you know, decades prior, like, you know, just the same thing. So it's like, yeah, you know, okay, he's laid back now, but it's like, God damn, watch those old shows. Like he gave those people a show. Like if you saw him back in the eighties and even like nineties, like and the seventies, he gave you a fucking show. If you went and saw him, you know, if you saw bad brains at CBGB's, God damn, you saw one of the greatest things you'll ever see, you know. So, yeah, I mean, go go support that, you know, badbrainsrecords.com. And I think they're one because it's like, I mean, obviously not mainstream. They're not huge. Now you really hear Bad Brains on the radio unless you listen, obviously, to the Power Chord Hour because I play them a shit ton. But, uh, you know, not a band you really hear like on the radio or anything per se. But I do think people forget because probably because they get lumped in with other bands because you do see, I think they're probably another band. They're, they're up there. Not as bad as like the Ramones and Misfits, but it's like they're a band that falls in that category where I'm sure there's a lot of people wearing Bad Brains like the fucking Lightning Bolt shirt who have no clue who the fuck Bad Brains are. You know, like they're definitely a band who fall into that category of like, you know, like which is also too bad because it's like the other thing with the it's the same thing where it's like people who wear a Ramones shirt who don't know who the Ramones are, but it's like. But, dude, like, the Ramones are one of the greatest bands of all time. Like, you should listen to them. Like, it's not even a dick thing. Like, I'm not even being a dick about this. Like, you should listen to them because they're so fucking good. They have bad brains. It's like, don't get me wrong, that's a badass logo. Like, I get why you're wearing it, but it's like, you probably should listen to them. They're fucking amazing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I get it if you're wearing, like, I get it if you're wearing a Grateful Dead shirt. I get it if you're wearing it because it looks cool and you don't want to listen to music. The music's terrible. I mean, the music's shitty, but I mean, the design, you know what I mean? Like, the logos kind of look cool. Those dancing bears are kind of neat. The music's fucking awful, but, you know, the uh, you know the logos are cool, but it, it, it's different with the old school punk one. Same with Misfits. It's like, nah, motherfucker, like, go listen to Walk Among Us. Like, yeah, it's a cool shirt, but go listen to fucking Walk Among Us and Static Age. You know what I mean? Like... But yeah, go. I guess though, you know what I mean. I I guess I'll backtrack on that because once again, I want I want bad brains and all all our other aging punk legends. Because that's the thing now, punk seventy seven that whole era. I mean, they're dying off, man. All the original Ramones are dead. All the original Heartbreakers are dead. Um, you know, I mean, they're I mean Richard Hell, one of the originals, or you know, he's in his seventies. Though I will say, goddamn, go look at a picture of Richard Hell, like like. Like recently, like he he recently did a thing with with uh, Gucci actually in another country. I can't remember where it was at, but uh, there was pictures of him like on the like with his wife. You would not. This man is like, I want to say he's seven. He's almost Bob Dylan's age. So he's he's either is Bob Dylan's age or he's a little younger. Actually, I think he's a couple years younger. He's like seventy two or seventy three, but he's in his seventies, in his early seventies. You wouldn't think this man's over like fifty. Like it's insane. Like he looks like he's in good health and everything, and it's which is great to see. Because I mean, really, normally you see the opposite of you know. Obviously, you know, so many punks die young, but even old ones, you know, there's some who don't look that great when they, you know, even if they make it up there. But not Richard Hell. Richard Hell, 
obviously is clean. You know what I mean? He he stayed off the drugs, and you know he he had a fucking rough time in like the seventies and eighties, but he uh, he got clean. I think he stayed clean, and it definitely was for the better. And he is he fucking aged well. I gotta I gotta say. But anyway, is what I'm getting to. I'm great at going on tangents, if you can't tell. But uh, going going back, I'll kind of contradict myself as I'm saying. I want all these old, uh, you know, we gotta we gotta take care of our aging punks. At the same time, I guess I'm not that mad if you go buy go buy a bad brain shirt if you've never heard them, because hey, it's more money in HR's pocket and the rest of them. You know, like fuck yeah, like I want them. I want them to have money. I want them to be able, you know what I mean? Like those dudes are like in their 60s now, I think. Like 60s or 70s, probably 60s. You know, same like the Dead Kennedys, you know, like all those dudes and like, you know, I mean, fuck the I mean the Misfits are pretty fucking well off. I don't think you have to worry about them so much, but you know, there's a lot of these older punk bands where you kind of would just think they have money cuz you know, you know what I mean? Like you know their names cuz they were like of the original where it's like not really, you know what I mean? They don't really make money or they got fucked out of royalties and stuff, you know? So that that's why that's why it's cool. Hopefully, we see more bands like this get like with bad brands where they get the rights to their stuff, and uh, and really, let's be honest too, they got the rights to like their biggest uh, albums. Like the only one I don't know, they got the rights back to uh, to I and I. I think SST might still own that because I don't think I've seen it on the list. But who knows? They keep lining it up, so maybe it will be on the list later. I I don't know for sure because I don't remember that may be. I'm trying to think what else was on SST. Maybe that was the only album on SST, but I don't. Part of me one, I I don't know. I want to say that's true, but maybe I'm forgetting an album or two that was on there. Um, I cannot think off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, maybe they don't have the rights to that, and that that might be their biggest album. But I mean, so I mean, Rock for Light and uh, Quickness and their self-titled though are fucking huge. So I mean, those those themselves I think are some of their best sellers. So. You know, it is cool that they also got the rights back to, like, their biggest albums, you know, is what I'm saying. So, fuck yeah. Go check that out. Check out No Effects on New Year's. Um, fucking maybe maybe check out Blink-182 with Cameron Webb producing them when that comes out, whenever that is. Um, you know, that is the music news. That is that is our final music news for the year. Um, I can't thank you enough, for including for listening to these ones, because I realize on all these rundowns, um, this is our 12th one now. We've made it through the year. And I have one for every month and except for last month's, you know, the exception of last month's with our interview with uh, Josh and Christian, um, these are always solo. So, I mean, fuck, I mean, if you're listening, including this one's two hours long, I mean, if you're listening to just me talking solo for two hours and uh, talking about all this stuff, I mean, thank you so much. I mean, I really, really do appreciate that. You know, I also realize this is the last episode of the year. So it's also kind of a look back at the year, you know, and we'll we'll do that. We'll do more of that on the next episode as I talk about my top 10 favorites of the year. But, uh, you know, that's more music wise. But I mean, just this podcast in general, um, you know, thank you so much for uh, everyone listening. I got to say, I mean, we're ending our first year of the podcast with uh, more downloads than I would have expected. Um, I mean, way more listeners. I mean, once again, never would have thought that India was going to be our second most listened to uh, or country most listened to in. I, I never know how to phrase that when you're talking about like top 10 countries, like your top 10 most downloaded in countries or whatever, however you want to word that. But I mean, India and so many downloads from there and becoming our number one so sh- or second so shortly. They're, they're coming though. I bet they will become number one. I, I really think so, which uh, fuck yeah. That is uh, awesome that people are listening everywhere. 
But uh, between that, I mean, interviews and like guests I've had on this year, just dream people. I mean, including ones like, I mean, you know, like, like Keith, I mean, for one, like I, like I said, I skipped my community college graduation to go see uh, Midtown and Hidden in Plainview, who I had Joe on earlier, uh, play skate and surf. And I mean, like to have them on and like be able to talk to them and shit and, uh, you know, just and including Greg Eklund from Everclear. That's another one where it's like, I've been listening to Everclear since I was a little ass child. Like, I mean, that goes way back. Like, it's one of like the earliest bands I remember liking. So it's like, you know, to have people like that on the show, uh, absolute dream come true. And, you know, I definitely shouldn't have waited. I talked about this on Quarantunes, but, like, I, I shouldn't have waited, you know, four years into the radio show to do a podcast. That should have came, like, a year in. You know what I mean? Like, 2017, I should have been doing this pod for – this really should be, like, our third year. So I kind of fucked up on that, but I'm happy that we're doing it now and uh, can't think enough – uh, everyone who listens and uh, just as a thank you too. I mean, I know I normally say, uh, you know, rate interview the show on iTunes and still please do. It really does help the show, but uh, you don't even have to do that. Just, you know, thank you for listening. We'll celebrate since, you know, it's a year now. Um, if you want to hit me up power hour at gmail.com, I got t-shirts, uh, stickers, picks. I will send you a whole little like power cord hour free fucking swag bag and uh, absolutely free. So hit me up, powercordhour at gmail.com, and uh, I'll send you some goodies as a uh, celebration now for doing this for a year. And uh, thank you so much for checking it out. That is the uh, December rundown. Check it out next week. We are actually, I guess I guess I really do have the lineup for the next couple weeks. Um, we're going to go on a little winter break at the end of January, but uh, next week going to be talking my top 10 favorite records of 2020. And then after that, uh, for two weeks, it's going to be a two-parter. I, I'll, I'll tell you now because we recorded it already. We uh, it, it was pre-recorded. I, I'll, I'll break the magic. Um, it is pre-recorded, but uh, you know, a, a two-parter. We talk so much shit and have so many bad opinions that it took four hours to get through. So, so if you like our episodes, I'll say this: like if you like the episodes where it's less like interview based and more of just me bullshitting like with friends and just like joking with each other and stuff and just talking music and going down like on these just going down tangents and rabbit holes and stuff uh I think you'll really enjoy it so that's that's also going to be coming up those will be the first few episodes of the new year and then uh who knows you know hit me up powercordhour@gmail.com about uh, future guests. I mean, I would love to know who you would like to hear on the show. You know, I mean, I have people who I want on, but I mean, I also want to know who you'd like to hear, you know, on here. And, uh, you know, I also feel like if you're listening to this, we probably share a lot of common, uh, you know, like uh, likes and stuff musically. So there's probably a good chance you ask for someone, I'd probably be like, oh, hell yeah. Like I never even thought to ask them, but I'm a fan too. So it's like, I would love to have them on. So yeah, hit me up with that. Also, let's stay connected. Uh, hit me up, Power Chord Hour on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our handle is at PowerCordHour. And uh, we're also on Spotify. Uh, Maybe you're listening to this on Spotify. Shout out to you if you are. But uh, also I put up playlists on there every week from the radio show and just other playlists that, uh, like I'm going to put one up for uh, an accompanying one for next week when I do my top 10 uh, albums. And I'll I'll give you some like recommendations, but I'll also just make a big old playlist you can go listen to. So those are all also on our Spotify page, and uh, you can go follow that page, which would be very cool of you. And uh, I put up new playlists from the radio show every week and new new, uh, radio shows every Friday night, 10 Eastern to midnight on 107.9 WRFA. I spin you punk and alternative all the way 
I'd say going back to the 70s is about as far back as we go. I've, I have played some Sabbath once or twice, and uh, I did play some box tops a couple times for Alex Chilton. So, I mean, that's probably the oldest stuff, I guess, like the 60s. But normally, normally 70s to now, um, punk, alternative, power pop, pop punk, uh, pop rock, ska, emo, um, all that, all that. Everything I talk about on here, basically, I play on there. So if you want to check that out, 107.9 WRFA in Jamestown, New York. And uh, you can listen to that on our website at WRFALP.com. And uh, there's a big old streaming button there. You can hit that and stream the station. Tons of other great shows on there as well. you just got to listen to mine. But, uh, yeah, check those out. Check out the uh, quarantunes from this month. And make sure you keep checking them out. They're free and uh, every month. Great, great bands. If you're a fan of this podcast, you'll be a fan of uh, the people on there. So check that out on the NJ Pop Punk Facebook group and uh, on the NJPP Archives uh, YouTube page. So, uh, yeah. So for the Power Chord Hour, I'm Anthony Merchant. Thank you for listening.